You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by Blue Chew. May I try that, please? I'm here for the audition. My name is Lou. Hello, Lou. Lou Chu, actually. I'm part of the uh, Blue Chew crew. So, Lou, you, you, you began this by asking for... The announcer position. Oh. I understand that you every week do the Blue Chew commercial, and I saw that they were auditioning for a Blue Chew commercial talent. I'm with the Blue Chew crew, so get Blue Chew today. How so, was that? Uh, that was okay, but I think what we're missing is some of the, the, the meat of the Blue Chew, if you will. For instance, you can go to BlueChew.com, and Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, which is how you know they work. And Lou, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your experience with them. So obviously you went to BlueChew.com, you used the promo code BILL, and you got your first shipment absolutely free. You just had to pay $5 shipping and you got it absolutely well that's one of the reasons i'm here to audition because i want to make sure that i have all the rules down but blue chew is for me blue chew is for you my name is lou and i use blue chew too i think that's a very admirable audition i'll tell you what uh lou how about you come back and maybe try to read for one of our other uh, sponsors later on in the show should i call you no i should definitely call you and you know what you should do you should go to bluechew.com now i think it's important that we we kind of get down to uh the nitty-gritty here uh, to help you get down to the nitty-gritty you can take blue chew anytime day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. I'm ready, the opportunity to nope, audition. You wanna come, nope, you want to come back for the later one. We have a different sponsor. You're going to want to come back for them. This I is can... Blue Chew. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com promo code Bill to try it free. Blue Chew, it's for me, it's for you. My name is Lou. Signing off. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Josh Chernoff, and I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Bill After. Well, thank you. I'm great, and it's October. It is. Not only is it the month of my birthday, October 22nd, you people who want to send dark chocolate, or if you're in Europe, round tree fruit gums, we'll give them an address later. They can't send it through email, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, That that would be tough. Actually, where are we going to have them send it to? Uh... Well, uh, you know what? I'll just tweet out your home address. I, You know what? I wouldn't mind, but I think my wife might object to yeah. that. And I don't have a P.O. box, so they can keep it until I see them at a convention. Maybe they can, maybe they can tweet out their home address, and you can just show up and accept their uh, What candy. a great idea. If any of you live locally in the Philadelphia area and you'd like to— uh, uh, I wait, have a wait, perfect wait. day this month, Bill. When? How about October 31st? You can go ring their doorbell, and you can ask for candy. 
Wow, that would be wonderful. That's just right off the top of my head. So I just who, came up with that. You, you went out when you were growing up, you dressed up as Sting. It's been all over the place. I did, yeah. It was, so it was who should I dress on... up as? Uh, Me? You should dress up as you. Yeah. Oh. All right, I'm going to have to get makeup and stuff. No, but <laughs> October 22nd is my birthday this year, yes. and I'm not going to say how young I am. It doesn't matter because- Do you know, what, do you know when my birthday was? Last week. Last week. It yeah. was, yes. And you turned- uh, older, older, yeah. Than I was the yeah. day before. Yeah, and you had several uh, phone calls from me on your birthday. I did several different. I think uh, the tech, in- <laughs> I think Tex from our Blue Chew crew. Tex, uh, uh, Doctor Blue Chew. Doctor Chew. The- he he was. I I heard that he was deported. No, uh, no, no. Back to parts unknown. Well, they 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 threw him off the boat. Actually, he's no longer. Uh, uh, in existence. Okay, that's and, a, yeah, but uh, but they but happy birthday. Uh, thank you, thank Josh, you, and happy and, and happy birthday month to you. Not only happy birthday month, this is a, a different celebratory month. This is your book anniversary. It is yes, my book is wrestling fix. I didn't know it was broken. I know you didn't. Uh, this month, October marks the third year that that book is out there in the bookstores and Amazon and. Every place else you can get a book. And it's I want to thank wild. all the people. I want to thank all the people um, all over the world for the great things that they've said about the book. And it's still available on Amazon and, and the you bookstores. Can just go, we made it easy. You can go to theafterchat.com. There's a picture of the book. Click on it. Boom, right there yeah. to the Amazon. And, by the, and if you want it signed, after you buy the book, if you send me a picture of you with the book, I will... And you, I'll give you my email address. It's bapter at onewrestling.com. All you need to do is send me your home address, send a picture of you with the book, and I will send you a personalized autograph sticker to put on the opening page. Oh, that's cool. So if you can't get to me for one of my book signings, that's... You know how I found out how to do that? How? You might be too young for this. Do you remember the Mike Douglas show? I... I know of the Mike Douglas Mike, show. It was a it was a talk show and a variety mm-hmm. show. Similar it was an afternoon based tonight show, so to say, yeah. with Mike Douglas as the host. And uh his producer said to me one time he liked the book autographed. His producer is several years older now, of course. He's still around. And I said, Well send me the book. He said, No, why don't you do this one? Mike used to do records or books. He used to sign stickers and mail them to the people to put up on the record or on the That's a great book. idea. So that's what I've been doing. So uh, you cool. can get uh, uh, you can share my book anniversary if you'd like an autograph and I'll stick it to yeah, you. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to yeah, we'll be celebrating all month here at the After Chat for the uh, the is wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Book and and I, so I've got later it right in my on, hand. So open it up to to a particular page first page you come to. first page you come yeah. to uh what's the first punk fan booted from sunnyside arena okay read the first paragraph in my teen years i lived in maspeth queens new york my local arena was in a section of the borough called sunnyside garden okay so the story behind this and you can read the full story of course in the book is mark lewin and don curtis were the premier Good guy, not babyface. I don't say that. It's still old school. The the uh, the premier good guy team, everywhere, everywhere, and they had turned bad guys. And there was a a fan 
two days before that on TV from Bridgeport, Connecticut, that had a sign that he was holding by the ring that said, you were a bum. And Lewin and Curtis went crazy, and they had him thrown out of the building. So several nights later, I was at Sunnyside Garden, and I had made a poster, you're a bum. My father said, what's the poster you have under your arm? Oh, nothing. It just some. <laughs> so, uh, so we get into Sunnyside Garden, which it was illegal for me to be in there because in New York State, they had a restriction where if you were 13 years old or younger, you couldn't go to pro wrestling or boxing. It was mm-hmm. considered dangerous because there were riots at the garden and all this stuff at Madison Square Garden. Right. So Lewin and Curtis come to the ring. The State Athletic Commission commissioner who was a friend of my father's put us in the high balcony and just said you can stay here just don't let anybody know you're here and you're under 13. Mm-hmm. Loon and Curtis head to the ring I told my father I'll be right back I take the poster run down to the ring you're a bum Don Curtis says who are you and this is with you know 1200 fans there right. and I said you're a bum and he said how old are you and I said 12 he said, get him out of here. And security came over to me, oh, and they man. started. And my father came down. What did you do? You embarrassed us and everything. But <laughs> punk fan, I was a punk fan, and I was at Sunnyside Garden, and they got me thrown out because of that sign. So That's it's true. stories like that. That uh, Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Hey, and congratulations again on the on the book. Someone, uh, There's a picture on the front cover of you and Triple H, uh, but there's a picture all over social media this week, of Triple H holding your book. I emailed him. That picture was taken several years ago, and I, I didn't I take I can tell photo. that it was old because he didn't have his big beard. Right. And he's had that for the last couple of years. It wasn't so, yeah. the time of the beard. Right. However, that picture, uh, he had gotten the book. I had sent him a copy. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, one of the things people don't talk about with him is he's an old school guy in a new school world. Yeah. And I feel he balances that so very well. But I sent him a copy of the book, and I did not expect that picture mm-hmm. to come to me. And he sent it, and I, I always held it for the past year or two in my private collection. And I emailed him last week, and I said, would you mind? He said, of course. Go ahead and yeah. you know, show it to everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, obviously they call him the game, and that came from him being a student of the game. And uh, he is always— Who was he a student that, of? Who— Whose school did he go to? And China went there too. Oh Here's well, he went tribute. to Killer Kowalski's yes. school. Yes, but what uh, was Killer Kowalski's first name? Uh, Walter. No, actually, that's the the Americanized name of it. It was really Ladek, W L A D E K, Ladek. But nobody here can pronounce s- it. I get some points for, yeah. the, yeah, no, for, no, that's <laughs> for trivia here, you, d- right? you, definitely, okay. you definitely do. I'm going to hit you with one of those old school things every week now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Fan- I, I am not going – I'm not going to do as well as Well, I wait a minute. You, if you fans have a trivia question you want me to stump young Josh with here, young Josh um, – where should they send the – and you can't peek at it either, so you can't research it. Then they it. should send it right to, uh, to your Twitter they could do that at After One Wrestling. At After One Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, so Josh okay, won't so see it. so go right to you because yeah, I do I peek on the, uh, on the After Chat Twitter. All right. At the After Chat. By the way, I thought that uh, that Lou Chu guy was really talented. We're uh, going to bring him back later, you said? Yeah, he's going to come back uh, and audition again for a... Another one of our sponsors. Yeah. Okay. I'd give so. him a job. I thought he was pretty good. Oh, yeah. So right now, there's so much going on in the world of pro wrestling 
sports entertainment. I think it's time to get that grip going. Let's do it. Headlock on Headlines. All right. Well, uh, the ratings dropped again for Monday Night Raw. Um, and this is now, this past Monday was officially uh, the lowest rated Monday Night Raw in the history of the entire program. And we talked last week about how you can't really, I mean, it's a little too quick to judge some of the numbers. Um, but they drew a 2.302 million viewers. Uh, oh, that's is, such a, I wish we had <laughs> I know, right? that amount I, of people listening yeah, to this. Seriously. Um, this is down from last week's 2.35. Um, so yeah, it's down. It's an, it's a new, I'm, I'm reading some directly from wrestling Inc, which by the way, I'd like to thank wrestling Inc for, uh, covering our show. Yes. As, Raj, as they, thank you so very much. And by the way, um, uh, Nick Houseman. Yeah, just who, started there. He used to be at WrestleZone, and he's yeah, now so at congratulations my, my new former job, podcast partner. Yeah, well, thank you, Nick, for moving on to something well, else no, so that I not, could move on, in here. And tell do, him about and that about that podcast death match. Oh, that he and I had. Yes. Yeah, but then we just decided to. Okay. Okay. Call right. it a draw. Okay. All right. He moved on, and you that. won me. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Who won and who lost? You guys. Who? Yeah. You guys decided. Um, uh, 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 for, for um, by the way, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. I, I want to in, interject something here. Okay. There are comments that we've gotten, and it's okay that people think at times, like just now, that uh-huh. you might be disrespectful to me. Josh and I have a very good time doing this, and I've known Josh. Uh, he's just turned 35. Yeah. And I've known Josh since he was nine years old. We've been friends and family friends for more years than most marriages uh, last. But I, I want you to address to the people, we'll give this as a headline, sure enough, disrespectful to Aptor, <laughs> but I want you to address what this is really all about. Yeah, so I mean- Because I never felt disrespect from you. Well, I, and I, I'm, I'm glad. So, um, you know, look, we have, we have fun on the show and, and uh, I base from, you know, everybody has their own style and uh, their own- type of comedy there you know uh i have sarcasm it's kind of all you do. i have and that i don't is, like sarcasm no and that's kind of uh i remember on my first date with my wife i said to her wait a um, minute you took your wife your first date with your wife you were married on a first date that's incredible see and it's things like that that make it tough for yeah for go me ahead to, uh, <laughs> to say. no so but on the first i said to her when we were talking you know you're kind of doing the oh so tell me this about you this about you and i said to her right off the bat i said i have been told that sometimes my tone of voice can come off condescending um cocky yeah and it's just it's just my tone of voice and it's and people who actually know me know you know they they can tell when i'm intending to be condescending or cocky um but no but as it relates to you you know um i yeah i've gotten a little bit of that that uh hate mail and you know and, and feel free to always send your hate tweets to uh at so says sure enough um do me a favor though if you do make them accurate somebody sent me something recently um coming down on me for coming up with two questions one of them was a question you asked that i didn't even ask and another one was a question that i said but it was a fan question so you know it's you like took it's, the heat. it's fine yeah. yeah i can take the heat but like you know it, 
try try and at least come down on me for something but that I, I've actually what I'm, done. What I'm driving but, at here is yes. that I have never felt a if, sense of disrespect. No, from you. and and I think you know we try to just have fun and we joke around on here. Uh, kind of has that it's morning old that morning and show. New yeah, yeah, that, yeah, and and it's you know um, we'll have a difference of opinions, but uh, you know nobody has any of the people writing in who think that they have respect for you. Uh, the respect they have for you pales in comparison to the respect that I have for Thank you. you I've I gone on record uh, in the past. Every single thing that I have in this business is thanks to you, uh, including, and most recently, this show. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I, uh, you know, guys, we're having fun. You know, we're we joking are. around. Yeah. Don't take it so seriously. I think the I, one line that you did that somebody got ticked off at yeah. was that you said to me, you said we both have our right to our own opinions, but yours is right. And now, so I, th- I think that. Are you that sure that's not the one that you got? Uh, I, I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. But yeah, I just want to let you know that yeah. Josh wouldn't be in this spot unless I felt um, a sense of his appreciation for who I am and where I came from. Yes, and, and I. I, I appreciate you saying that and bringing this up and you know and it wasn't necessary but i, I do appreciate well, it I'm glad since that. you said that i have a couple of words to tell you <laughs> you're fired all right um and it, you know one other person did say something that i that kind of stuck with me um just because of the way that they said it this they was said, to my wife was no it? Okay. they said that um no but she did ask me to keep you here for longer yes if I, could. I wonder yeah. why um that plumber but, keeps coming over the house now. Oh, i swear that wow. leak is fixed all right i <laughs> I'm not the one who went there. I just want that to be uh, <laughs> on the record. Um, no, somebody had said to me uh, that, I, or somebody had put in a review that I seem to hold my opinions in high regard. And I just am curious, like, should I hold my opinions in anything but high regard? They're my opinions. They might be totally objectively wrong, but they're my opinions. If they're my honest opinion, aren't I going to yeah, hold them in high them. regard? Also, sometimes people, you know, forget uh, that I have been in this business for about 20 years. I did wrestle for 10 of those years. And, you know, uh, so when I am saying things, you know, Bill and I are coming for obviously I don't have the years of experience that you have. Um, but you and I do have experience in different facets of the of the industry Absolutely. and we come from different generations uh more importantly as fans we grew up in different times in the wrestling business Absolutely. so i like to think that we are having friendly debates and we're coming at this stuff as to uh if i can say peers in the business even though obviously i look up to you in the business and you've been in it so much longer i than don't I look down to you so you no i well, i'm a little bit taller all right, all right. but uh Let's continue on with uh, now. By the, the way, one on other headlines. thing I do yeah. want to mention that several people uh, two weeks ago I mentioned that I was having fruit adventure Tic Tacs. Yes, and they wanted to know what each week what the treat of the week is. So I have here a bag of Tom Sturgis artisan little ones. They're pretzels, and that's a sound that <laughs> these are really I... these. Are, this has become my favorite uh, pretzel, Tom Sturgis Artisan Little Ones. They're and like I, those little three-ring pretzels. And I think you, the sound of you eating it has become the favorite thing for uh, after chatters to listen to on their way to work. Well, does it, you, since, since we have that the sponsor, Blue Chew, uh-huh. when you take Blue Chew, does that crackle like that? 
Uh, we'll have to ma-ha, ask ma-ha, someone ma-ha, who's ma-ha. taking Blue Chew. <laughs> um, all right, let's get back. All right, yeah, so back, so back we're, to this. We're but thank you again for, for bringing that up. I appreciate I, it. I want to um, bring this up, and this is not me protecting WWE like mm-hmm. like some fans. Oh, Lefter is politically correct. I, I, yes, I am. But they're You're polite. Politely, yeah, whatever. Politely correct. Right, politely. (laughs) New word. uh, Oh, my God. But there were also, and I don't know if these were numbers of people that DVR'd Mm -hmm. the show as well. Can you? Uh, I don't know. And just reading from the thing, I'm just seeing, you know, these are obviously the the numbers that came in overnight. There were a lot of... um, there were a lot of premieres last night. The new Magnum PI premiered last night. Right. I have that I have that down here. Uh Raw was number fifteen for the night in viewership on cable behind Monday Night Football on ESPN. Uh Monday Night Kickoff, Sports Center, uh Hannity, Tucker Carlson tonight. Hannity? Yeah. Tucker I, Carlson? Yeah, that's in that's upsetting uh, to to hear that Roth behind get, that. Yeah, let's not go into this. Please. I'm not. Oh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even getting political. I'm just saying. Like I am. That's why like, I want to get off of this. From an entertainment standpoint, you'd want to see more people tuning into yeah. Raw. Um, but I don't think that's the same audience. The Raw has to get out of the foxhole. Okay. Yeah. Go <laughs> I ahead. I see what you did there. Uh, Major League Baseball tiebreaker was at 4 p.m. I don't know what I'm reading here. Uh, tiebreaker at 1 p.m. How did any of this have anything to do with? Um, with the raw viewership. Yeah, but did any of the like new uh, the Magnum PI or any of these other shows? Yeah. So uh, okay. So we had Magnum PI. We had uh, the premiere of a show called The Neighborhood, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, oh, that's the voice. Big. That's very the big. resident Penn and Teller. Um, yeah. So there was a lot. There was a lot on TV at the eight o'clock. That was all, I believe, at the eight o'clock hour. So yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, look, it's it's uh, you don't like to see this. It, it, it's tough to kind of. Yeah, but there's still millions of people watching it. Yes, but you know, uh, if I'm it's just... dropping every, you know, eventually, how low is it going to go? And I and there have been people. So we were tagged on Twitter um, about somebody kind of saying, "Hey, we should all stop watching." That's um, someone's. I saw that. That's someone's yeah. opinion. They're entitled to their opinion. Yeah. But I'm. I'm sorry. I've been watching for you know thirty years. Turn it I'm off not going to. You don't like it. Yeah, turn I'm not going to stop watching no matter how much I I don't enjoy it. Uh, wait, I wait, did, wait, wait, wait. Go back. How that? much you don't enjoy it? No matter how much I don't enjoy an episode, I'm not going to stop watching it. And I think that maybe that's maybe I should. Maybe that would you know make them realize that people aren't enjoying it more. Um, In those high it's, numbers, it's, it's very hard to say people aren't enjoying it. I think they go away from it just to look at other things. You know yeah, what the best? but they—I mean—they know if back in you know February, they're averaging a, a million more viewers a week than they had the last two weeks. I mean, they—you know—yeah, they're big numbers, but that's a million. But new less shows people. have, but a million, a, a lot of new shows have started. Yeah, but that's—I mean—but it's still it's a million. Well, I'll that's tell you a what, a million okay. less people. I think I know one of the things that they need to move away from, and mm-hmm. I'm not. Again, I'm not a booker. I'm not a writer for the WWE. But I think every week, and I know my son has spoken to me about this, every week for the past long, long time, Mm -hmm. they're promoting the Australian show and everything going toward the Australian show. Do you think that people don't care because of, I mean, it's airing at 5 o'clock in the morning? No, no, I don't think think that's the end result. It's just that the situation is being built for that 
particular they, show is becoming repetitious. Right. Maybe they're not fans today are not used to the long build. Say back this in the is day a when, very they had the, when they had the big four. Yeah. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were used to a long build. But not this seems to be even long. longer. And to yeah. address your other question, I'll mm-hmm. be up at 5 a.m. watching this. And I think uh, most fans that are WWE fans are going to do the same thing. They'll probably repeat it right afterwards. One of the things that I took away from Monday Night Raw, there was this incredible shot by one of the cameramen who, when Undertaker and Kane started to walk up the ramp Mm -hmm. and they turned half face. Oh, I know, yeah. And the moon was out there. And it was kind of, uh, of there was depth to it with Kane being behind them. Yeah one of the most classic uh, camera moments yeah. I've ever seen. That was a good... You you know you're going to see that again in in future uh, video packages and whatnot. Yeah, it was now, just, yeah I agree did, with you. What did you think about the Brothers of Destruction destroying yeah. Shawn Michaels and Triple H? I mean, I was like, so really? I, yeah. Um, you know, look, it, it, it's kind of that... It almost, I guess, put them as... Who, I mean, who's the face? Who's the heel in this? No, I'm not even thinking that. I'm just thinking that. Well, you had to you compel had to you. No, to compel you to see this, it should have been a little more equal mm-hmm. than it was, because now it's like, well, these guys are going to get killed by the Undertaker and Kane. Or is it? Well, how, what are they going to do? Are they going to have to step it up to beat them? So, ah. but I think the Sports biggest question. I think the biggest thing to come out of that entire segment, according to the uh, internet, was Shawn Michaels' lack of hair. He is completely shaved, bicked, bald. Well, uh, we don't know why exactly he shaved his I, head, or well, I think we, I think we do. He's what, been, why do you think he did this? He's been balding for. Well, about 10 years. Well, I've been balding for about 40. and I Not still everybody have my... has the comb over, though. That's right. That's and right. by the way, if you want to respect the comb over, go over to the, go to theafterchat.com, click on the merch link, and you can get the T-shirt. Our number one selling T-shirt, respect the comb over. You can also check out the Championship Office Wrestling belt. Yes, and the t-shirt. Is Wrestling Fix. I didn't know it was broken yeah. T-shirt. Uh, and then, of course, the After Chat logo, if you just want to represent as an after chatter. Um, but yeah, Shawn Michaels, totally bald. Um, is this to match Triple H? Is this... uh, maybe, you know, because it, maybe they're going to have like a, uh, the DX outfits on. Yeah. And both of them. Uh, so th- it might have been for Triple H to grow hair might have taken longer than Shawn to so shave here, his. Here's the funny thing, though. <laughs> I think Triple H has a full head of hair. I on think his he chin. Ha- no, no, no. <laughs> no, I think he shaves his head down, but I, know. I don't think he was ever going bald. No, I he think wasn't. he's just it's just a look. Yeah. Um and because Shawn Michaels cerebral. is gonna take yeah. He's a cerebral assassin. As he got older, he needed to get the hair out well, of the he way. Wanted, so he he wanted exactly to, to and for people to see the brain. <laughs> what are we even talking about? Um so uh obviously they're leading towards a tag match. At the uh, the show in Saudi Arabia, that's that's the rumor going around. I think it's pretty well established that it's going to be the Brothers of Destruction versus DX. The other, you know about the other rumor going around. What's that? Well, what you're gonna do, brother? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I called him today. I haven't heard back from him yet. Yeah. But I'm hoping to find out. Are we gonna 
are we gonna break the surprise on the after chat? We might break it in a special after chat if he uh, decides to reveal it, but he might be under a code of silence not to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to us or to uh... No, to anybody at this point until the WWE breaks that. Yeah. Um but I, I think there's a good chance that he'll be he'll be back there. Um Hey, let's talk a little bit about um Elias. Hey. <laughs> hey, like your segue. Hey, hey let's, let's talk a little Elias. bit about Elias. Uh, that's my radio voice. Do you like that? Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never do it again, I promise. <laughs> uh, so Elias uh, kind of threw a little cheap heat out there on Monday Night Raw. That wasn't cheap. That was smart oh, heat. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory term. That's cheap heat. Is if you, It's like a cheap pop. If you go at like Mick Foley's cheap pop that he does all the time. I used to right call my father in, that you know, when he wouldn't part with money to give me something <laughs> that I wanted to buy. But go oh, ahead. man. Um, so uh, he made mention of the city's uh, basketball team, which I believe left in 2010, and it wouldn't make any sense for them to, you know, have a... <laughs> I hear you chewing. Tom Sturgis, go <laughs> ahead. Um, so I, uh, I don't know why that... <laughs> Focus, Josh. I don't know why Focus. that got me so much. Um, so... Uh, now that you've announced, do we not have to edit out the sound of you chewing in no, the background? I, now that we're like didn't. announcing, hope, yeah, okay, yeah, I hope, right, I hope you, you wouldn't. Um, oh no, of course not. Um, so Elias made the comment about the uh, the city no longer having a basketball team, and that cheap heat, which is usually good for a couple of boos, um, turned into what seemed like ten minutes, probably closer to five minutes, though. Where Kevin Owens and Elias, they just kind of started having to yell over the crowd. It was so loud that they actually even turned up the lights slightly on the audience, um, which Elias then said, turn the lights back down. I don't want to see these right, people. The audience was hostile. But they didn't. But they turned the lights up. And I, I could you know, hear in my head Vince McMahon back there or somebody, Kevin Dunn or somebody saying, get the lights up on this crowd. We want to see this. Um, it reminded me, and I, I was really curious your opinion on it, because it it reminded me of, you know, I hate to use the term back in the day. No, but it was an attitude era yeah, reaction. It was so loud. And one of my critiques of the WWE as of late has been how quiet it was. Even this past January when I went to a show in Philadelphia, and I was, I think it was fifth row at SmackDown. And... Uh, and I, I just stand. I was just like, it's so, it's just quiet. Yeah, but no, this reaction last night was that attitude era reaction. That's what it was. So this was my question for you because I really I've been thinking about this since January, and I I really think that I I, I might have an idea. Okay, so of what's what the is. question? Um, I think that. And I guess my question is, do you agree that it's social media that is why it's so quiet? I think people are on their phones. No, no, I don't. I definitely don't. I think... Um, I'm depends. saying in the arena, I think people are spending time taking, well, they are. tweeting taking things pictures, out, tweeting. Yes. doing whatever. Yeah, um, I, but, but once a wrestler says something to stir up the crowd, if it's the right thing... Like last night, everybody looks up. And it used to be in every match, mm -hmm. 
somebody was able to, whether it be something they said or by a move in the ring, to turn that up. But the crowds today are accustomed to not having that reaction that they had back in the Attitude Era, because this right. is a different... Uh, and I'm, I'm going to bring this back in a way that I think everyone will understand. Okay. Back in the days of the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see them celebrating breast cancer and showing breast cancer survivors and showing commercials for people okay. uh, who have beaten breast cancer. That makes it more... When they have something like this, and they're talking about wonderful things like that, a Connor's Cure... Mm-hmm. It almost makes the audience like a more docile or respectful type of audience than that killer type of audience that ECW or uh, it's like being at a sporting event more than a pro wrestling show. I I you understand? I understand that? what you're saying, yeah. and I think that there's definitely I think there's there's definitely some truth to that, at least right around those segments, but. I feel like if you did a, a breast cancer awareness segment, um, the Susan G. Coleman segment, and then immediately had Roman Reigns come out, I think the whole crowd would be booing like crazy doing you know their what? stuff. So, you know what? I agree with you. Yeah. So I, I think I think you're right. Um, but I think that speaks more to overall how everything is just kind of the whole tone has changed of, the, of this. Um, so let's go one step company. further. Let's go one step further. Perhaps because they're a publicly, a publicly traded company yeah. that they're more in line with being an entertainment pro wrestling company than well, getting people so hostile with things that they've been doing. Yeah, and I, but at the same time, I think that they're you know, that might be from the company's standpoint. I think it's it's the crowd. I think it's just a, a commentary on the audience, and I really... I think, and after chatters, let us know what you think, but I think it's social media. I know when I was there and we had some signs that we were holding up and we were doing things like that and uh, and we were getting and I was getting text messages from people who were seeing the signs. So during the show, I'm at, I'm on my phone. You I'm, might you might I'm have a very good the, point here. I'm looking at my phone. I'm texting someone. I'm doing things that, that wasn't there. Back so do you in think the day. WWE should ban uh, cell phones? Well, uh, no, they wouldn't want to do that because all <laughs> they know, want is yeah, I they know. want the the social media. So, but I do think it affects. I think people just aren't paying attention. So and, is the social you know, media more important than what's going on in the ring? I'm at uh, to, a WWE to, show. To the fans, I'm at a WWE show. Look how close I'm sitting. Text. Should it be? No. Is no. it? Yes. Is it? You think I think so? it is. I okay. think it absolutely is. Because I think it's, it's. I mean, this is what social media is. Everybody's, you know, putting themselves over. They want an opportunity. This is and a I, you great know, point. I never would have thought of this. That, oh, that's well, a great point. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I just think that people are so focused on tweeting about it or texting about it or taking pictures and then looking right at the pictures to see. Because, I mean, you remember this, and obviously you were at ringside, but for me as a fan, uh, back in the Attitude Era, I could take a bunch of pictures, but it was at best going to be a one-hour photo the next day when I got home. Yeah, here you can see it instantly. My, instantly, sure. people are taking pictures. What's the first thing they're doing? Right. Oh, let me see how that picture turned out. Right. And then they're showing their buddy, hey, check out this picture. Look how right. good that hey, was. Hey, why don't you send this to your yeah. grandfather? And, and, see. and you know what? And in that time that all they did was look at a picture, show it to their buddy next to them, they may have missed three spots in the in the match. 
and they could have been important parts of the story, and that takes them out of the story. And you that the see, in an arena like this, you can do that because it's not distracting to people. If you did that at a at a uh, concert. Mm-hmm. people might get annoyed. They yeah. do it at concerts, but people might get annoyed. Hey, we can't see because you've got the uh, your camera up, your your cell phone up. Well, I remember I had people getting annoyed at me because we were holding signs. And I'm like, in oh, the Attitude I, I, Era, everyone had, had yeah, 10 signs that yeah. you couldn't see. You went yeah. to the show for your signs to be out there. What did your sign say? Uh, one said, hi, Fred, uh, to my brother. Uh, a couple of them were actually shout-outs to uh, Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard. Um, and, uh, this, we, was pre after chat. this is pre-after chat. This is pre-after chat. Yeah, if it was now, it would only be <laughs> after chat things. Uh, one, said, one said book Dave Sagan, um, who we had on the after chat last week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they were all – But uh, so they were uh, – it was only like eight months ago, but really dated <laughs> at this point. Um, I guess nine months. I guess nine months ago. Well, whatever. Jeez, whatever. This it was year there. has flown by. Um, so yeah, but the audience went crazy over uh, what Elias did, and let's let's as we keep watching the product, as we keep watching, not mm-hmm. the product, Dave Sagan, of course. He's the solution. The solution, not the product. But um, okay, I got my product and my solution a little bit That's mixed right. up there. Maybe but we got Dave Sagan's name in there, didn't we? We got it. That's yes. it. Two so, weeks in a row. But I think to I think get three weeks to get a reaction like that was absolutely great. But are they going to capitalize on this? Because they do this in a lot of towns. Mm-hmm. They'll go into you know. Yeah, Philadelphia I think they just struck and, a nerve. They yeah. just really struck a nerve. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about about uh, Monday Night Raw was. So I'm watching. I'm watching this, and I'm seeing. Um, it was supposed to be a universal title match: Roman Reigns defending the title against Dolph Ziggler. Right? Baron Corbin comes out. This is not going to be for the title. You're not defending that title until the Saudi Arabia show and the triple threat match and everything. And you thought Roman was going to lose. Period. The end. Right? I thought. Well, common sense would say. Obviously, they get, they're going to have Dolph go over on him, so they meaning need to, Dolph was going to Dolph was going to was going to beat Roman Reigns, so this was their way of doing it. And over. if that was hey, if that was um, if that was the 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 mindset, I still would have said that's stupid. Why would the heel general manager, who is doing everything in his power in the earlier segment, to stack the odds against the faces? Why would he now come out and stack and, and remove one of those odds? Well, I can tell you why. Because if I was Stephanie McMahon, who was mm-hmm. running this, I would have said that I want to ensure that he's going to have that title by the time we get to that show and I, uh, to, to make sure that that is a title match, that they have promised a, a title match at Saudi Arabia. Right. But here's, if we're looking at this from a, a Sports Illustrated standpoint, if we're okay. looking at this from a, and, and that's how I want to. Or a Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, that's how I want to uh, look at this for, for just a second. Right. Um, if I'm looking at it that way, common sense would say, uh, if, you, if, if Roman Reigns loses the title to Dolph Ziggler, that main event now becomes Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. Right. Correct. It just didn't make any sense to have the guy who's supposed to be, like I said, stacking the odds against the face, coming out there and, and basically saying, okay, Roman Reigns, you're at no risk of losing your championship. Go have fun. 
it also made the audience now, to me, I looked at it and said, okay, well then I, re- I really don't care. What, I don't, I, what's going to happen in this match that, why do I care? Could be a good match, I, but, but there are no stakes. You've taken the stakes away. And if you're telling a story, there is nothing more important than having stakes. If, if, you're, uh, if it's a scene in act, as an actor, if I can tell you from my experience as an actor, one of the things that you look at when you're first looking at a scene, the number one thing you're going to look at is what are the stakes? What are my stakes in this? Because that is what's going to translate to the, to the audience. That's the emotion that's going to translate to the audience. Uh, well, I felt, like I said, in a PWI type of mm-hmm. vein that there's no title on the line because the, the champion has to put up the title at, in right. Saudi Arabia. And, but, but wait, let me finish. But the champion that they're looking for in Saudi Arabia, the mm-hmm. match that was signed was a championship match of Roman Reigns against against um, uh, Braun Strowman and, and right, Brock Lesnar. Ex- exactly. But so so, and this is where I think it's kind of you know lazy booking. Because Wait a minute, are we talking uh, um, Saudi Arabia yes, or we're talking Saudi right, Arabia? Correct. Um, this is where I think it's lazy booking. Because all you had to do is actually just come out and say, "Late, don't wait, wait, don't say lazy booking." Because that again, you don't know what they have in mind. It's not no, lazy. They probably. I don't think ha- that this had anything. That's the wrong word. Lazy booking. I, you know, you know why I say lazy booking? No, why, Josh? Because when I say lazy booking, what I mean is they booked something without stopping and saying, "Okay, let's dissect what we just came up with." I, I knowing what they do and especially mm-hmm. with Triple H's approval and Vince's mm-hmm. approval there's a reason for them doing what they did on on Monday night I would like to know what the reason was um, I don't because know because the biggest point of all is the fact that Roman Reigns beat him clean so why was that even necessary instead they knew he wasn't going to lose the title he was going to beat Dolph Ziggler clean in the middle of the ring that was it. There was no interference. There was no anything. Right, but if they, put the title, they, if they put the title on the line and by some reason somebody changed something and Dolph Ziggler was now the champion, that no, triple but that, threat what, what match doesn't make sense. No, but they weren't going to change, <laughs> change something in the middle. And I think that they... what they I'm easily, trying to get out of this, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> what, what Josh is saying is lazy booking. I'm just saying... That however they booked this, I won't on say Monday lazy, night, nonsensical booking uh, in your mind. But however they booked it, I know the WWE people, and there's always a reason okay. for why that happened. Well, this is my opinion, and I hold my opinion in high regard. So, <laughs> <laughs> how disrespectful! Oh man! Uh, hey, you want to do some quick pickums? Yes, I'm. Are you going to get up at five a.m. and watch the uh, watch the show? Uh, I'm probably going to get up at five a.m. to uh, when my daughter wakes up and. Depending on how late I went to bed the night before, I might just stay up and start watching it. Um, but I would then have to go downstairs to watch it because she will come into our room and, and take over the television. What um, will she watch? She is really into Paw Patrol right now. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, All really right. into Paw Patrol. Good show. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, let's go to the after chat, Quick'em Pick'em. Quick'em Pick'em. Becky Lynch is the SmackDown Women's Champion, and she will be defending against Charlotte Flair. I see Becky Lynch retaining the title. I agree. All right, moving on. We agreed. We agreed. Yes. Uh, Asuka and Naomi versus the Iconics. It's Billy Kay and Peyton Royce in a tag team match. Um, 
I think they're trying to move uh, the Iconics uh, a step higher. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. I agree again. Okay. Yeah. Two for two. Um, for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and or Xavier Woods. We don't know which two. You said Xavier. See, I say Xavier. Xavier. I say Xavier. You say Xavier. Yeah. I say Xavier. I put an emphasis on the X. Is it Xfinity? Xavier. Xfinity. Go. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, They face Cesaro and Sheamus. The bar for the championship. Well, I think, and I mentioned this on the last pay per view, that the New Day's time is. I, I don't know. I think it's up, and I think people want to see uh, Cesaro and Sheamus as champions again. I think they like the way the two of them mm-hmm. uh, are together, and they're, they're they're really good tag teams. It's a, it's a great uh, a great team that I think they're going to win. What did you think of? Uh, did you see at an NXT show Cesaro made a uh, he he ran out uh, to make a save. For his old tag team partner, yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Hero. Yeah, or, that was pretty uh, cool. Cassius Ono. Yes, that was very cool. Yeah, very cool. A lot of people very were cool. like, "Hey, where's Sheamus?" Yeah. Well, maybe this will become a uh, a point of uh, maybe uh, Cassius Ono will show up there, and maybe there'll be some interplay that could cost them the match. So I'm changing it to the new day now that you brought that. Yeah, up. I don't think that's going to happen. But you, you, so, we but don't I do. know. They but made I think that, that very public. Yeah, I they think really the new pushed, day. They moved that on the WWE website. That was true. a big item. So. I do think the new day uh, will be victorious. I don't think Cassius Ono is going to be there. Uh, but I do think the new day will retain the championship. Speaking of championships, Bill. Cedric Gaynard's enter- yeah, <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer is what I was about to say, because uh, I watched The Neighborhood last night. Yes, Did you see it? No, part of it. It was good. Yeah, I it's, it's not. I don't think it it's going to last okay. in my rotation. I love anyway, but wait, Schmidt wait, back, from New Girl. Back to we got to focus on our wrestling here. Okay, I thought the show was going to be about uh, television, the Monday Night Television. Yes. Um, uh, which reminds me, I see you're wearing a hat. This is uh, Darius Rucker yes. on it. Yes, um, it's a baseball cap that he gave me. Yes. Uh, my brother just went to one of his shows in Florida uh, the, the, over this past weekend and absolutely loved it. And I think I'd really like to see about having Darius Rucker on the show. Well, you do know that uh, if you go to YouTube and put in Bill After Interviews Darius Rucker, mm-hmm. not only did we do Dusty Rhodes imitations together, but we also did a duet on a Barry Manilow song. But I'd like people to go to the After Chat YouTube and see the brand new episode of us having Darius Rucker on as a, yeah, uh, as a yeah, guest. I, we should know. definitely reach out to him. Um, what am I, I'm sure he listens to the what What the other show. celebrities <laughs> would you After Chatters like us to reach out to who you know follow pro wrestling? That's a great question. That's why he asked it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Send that over to uh, at the after chat. Uh, moving forward, Cedric Alexander. I almost said it again. You did. I almost, <laughs> Let's is, get to this match. Uh, Cedric Alexander, he is the uh, cruiserweight champion. He will be facing Buddy Murphy. Uh, who do you have for this? Cedric Alexander will. The <laughs> you enter- almost Cedric, the entertaining Alexander will uh, defend the title successfully. I agree. Okay. Have we agreed on everything? Just about. I think Did so. Did you pick the new you day? Sw- you switched to New Day, so Did, I think right. we have agreed okay. on everything okay, so go far. Ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, um, here we go. No count out, no disqualification match 
for the WWE Championship champion AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Is it Samoa Joe's time? It is. Yeah? I thought it was the last time, but it's his time this time. Samoa Joe will win the title. I agree. You can't change my mind. I agree. Really? (laughs) I think he's going to. I think he's going to because... So, I think he's going to become a transitional champion. I think that... I think he would be a good long-term champion. The only... Here's what I would Wait, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know what? The ne- another match on here is Daniel Bryan versus The Miz uh, to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship. Who do you think is going to win that one? That'll bring back to what I was about to talk about. The Miz. I agree. Yeah. Again, man. Yeah. What I Here's what I'd like to see. I want to see The Miz uh, become the WWE Champion, and I want to see Daniel Bryan... Uh, I, no, can you tell us what you're drinking? Sparkling ice, orange mango. Okay. This is great. I'm just, I'm enjoying this. Um, So uh, I want to see The Miz become WWE champion, and I want to see him then eventually lose that championship to Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan is eventually going to get back to the top, um, and who better for him to beat for the title than The Miz continuing this? 100%. Which is why, now that I'm saying that out loud... I'm going I'm going back. I think AJ Styles is going to win because no. I think The Miz is going to beat I think AJ Styles is going to beat Samoa Joe. I think The Miz is going to face AJ Styles. Samoa Joe continuing the feud with AJ Styles is going to cost AJ Styles the match and championship to The Miz who will then go on to lose it to Daniel Bryan. I wish I followed that, but You've got a good, <laughs> you got a good point there. But no, I, I'm sticking with the Miz. Okay, so we okay then. We well, agree. no, no, no. We agree with the Miz, but are you sticking with Samoa Joe? Yes, I'm absolutely. changing my to AJ Styles. No, I'm okay. sticking with Samoa Joe. Uh, the Bella Twins, Brie Bella and Nikki Bella, and Ronda Rousey versus the Riot Squad: Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. I have. If, if do the we Riot know Squad, if, if the Riot Squad wins mm-hmm. and beats one of the Bella Twins, this is going to start a little bit of a tension situation with Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins. This could be a very interesting situation. So do you think, what are, what are they booked for for, um, for Evolution, for that pay-per-view? Because I thought there was some sort of teaming, but now I'm thinking maybe I was misunderstanding. Well, no, no, I, I just think that this is, if the, one, if the Bellas cost that team mm-hmm. uh to lose, that there might be some sort of change of personality. Maybe Nikki turning Rousey, on right? Ronda Rousey or Ronda Rousey turning heel. Turning against them, yes. Yeah. Not turning them on. Hey. Yes. A lot of people would pay to see that. Um, hey, by the way, I would just like to say as far as Brie Bella, um, now that a lot of people have weighed in on the yes kicks um, that took out Liv Morgan yeah. um, after last week, when I, you know, mm-hmm. I still, I watched it back again, I... I still agree with what I had said before that I think she was focused. I saw she was looking in the corner and she kept doing the yes chant in mm-hmm. between. And yeah. I think she took her eye off the ball. Um, but was... but I, I, I hope I wasn't too hard on her. Um, accidents happen. You know, it, it, like I said, I think I made it pretty clear that I didn't think this was intentional. Um, accidents happen and she'll, just, and, and she'll just learn yeah. from it. But, uh, yeah, I do think that, you know, Daniel Bryan put out something on Twitter about how all the times that he has 
accidentally injured people and done things like that. Yeah. That, you know, and, and people that are no coming one has down ever, on his wife. No one's ever come down on him the way yeah. that they come down on yeah. her. Um, and I think that that's a fair criticism to people who have been coming down on her. Yeah. So I just, I, I wanted to say, you know, um, across the board, I think, you know, but some people at the same time have questioned, you know, hey, there's a difference between somebody of, of Daniel Bryan's skill level and somebody of Brie Bella's skill level. And maybe should she be in the position in the ring? Would, would Daniel Bryan, if he had the skill level of Brie Bella, would he have made it as far as he made it? Oh, possibly. We don't know. Right. So anyway, just Next something, match. something to chew on. The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. So is this where we're going to see what Dean Ambrose, where his loyalty really lies? Because I'm, I'm picking the bad guys to win this one. Yes. I think I think Ambrose is going to screw his own team. You know, I don't even I don't even know at this He's point angry. which I think He's is angry. a good thing. Unless it's um, a ruse that to get the was, information of the other uh, Yeah, I don't know. That side. promo on Raw was I got where they were going, but it took them really But too I'm long I'm to looking at these sports type of yeah. look here is that I don't, I don't have I don't have anything. Yeah, I don't either, and I'm okay with that because he's got to be on I, the other side though to uh, uh, to get a title. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm okay with not knowing because I think that that's something that's missing from wrestling, and so that makes me now I want to. If I knew exactly where they were going to go, honestly, I wouldn't really care very much about this match because we have seen so much of of these teams against each other mm-hmm. in the recent weeks that I I don't know that I'd really care but this does this has kind of piqued my interest a bit so I like that I'm I'm happy Who's your quick pick? Uh quick pick is going to be the shield. Okay. Yeah. I think the bad guys. Okay. Yeah. Um Bobby Lashley and John Cena versus Elias and Kevin Owens. Wow. First of all Elias and Kevin Owens are such an unusual team, but they've got so much heat mm-hmm. on them at this point. The segments they've been doing have really riled the fans up. John Cena and Bobby Heenan, and Bob, I'm sorry, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, and let's Bobby not let's no let's not forget Leo Rush, who I, by the way I am a I'm a fan of his. I am too, big fan of his, and he's actually been over my house years ago doing karaoke. Really? Yeah, yeah. He along with Velveteen Dream. And uh, Renee, uh, Renee Michelle, yes, one of the uh, indie girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's fantastic. I love his character. I don't like that they killed him off pretty much last night. To me, he's supposed to be f- super fast and super indestructible mm-hmm. because of that speed. But uh, I'm looking at uh, Lashley and Cena to win that one. Uh, I'm not sure. I Renee think... Michelle, by the way, it was. I think that's what she said. Yes. I thought I, yes, I thought I said Mitchell, but go ahead. No. Um, so I could see them winning. You know she's, what I would like to see? She's beautiful and talented, by the way. Calm down over there. Russell's <laughs> at uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. But yes, go ahead. No, please continue no, no, about that, her that's if it. you have anything that's else it. to say. Um, I think... Uh, Look her up on your phone. <laughs> um, Get her on the after chat. Okay. So uh, I think uh, Bobby Lashley and John Cena, uh, I think Elias and, and I think Elias and Kevin Owens, they don't need to win to continue the the T- heat that they have. Ticking people off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know what I would love to see? So I'm going to go with Lashley and Cena, but you know what I'd love to see after? 
I would love to see Bobby Lashley turn against John Cena. Thank you. I think Bobby Lashley, especially with Leo Rush as his as his mouthpiece, could be. I mean, he was such a he was great at being a heel in Impact. Uh, do you remember that? I do. I would love to see that. I think Bobby Lashley. I she's a very attractive woman. There's no question. Did we see? Was she at all in or no? No, she was not. Who was she that at been. all in? We talked she about should have been. getting on the show. Um, that was the winner of the uh, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Dusty Rhodes Memorial, the training. The scholarship. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. That okay. wasn't her. Okay. But go on. Uh, anyway, on. we're... Man. Um, okay, so... No, Bobby Lashley can't... Well, you know what? Bobby Lashley, if he turns bad guy mm-hmm. with Leo Rush, what a team. That's what I'm saying. What a team. Bobby Lashley is... There's there's nothing to him right now. I, I think... What else are you know? Are lay him doing? out last night on, yeah, on Monday night. Yeah, there's not much to him, and uh, I think that that was a perfect. What happened last night, I think, is a perfect Monday night. Oper- Monday. Well, you've said last night. I've said last night. Yeah, everybody ahead. knows we we, we record on Tuesday, <laughs> so I think we've talked about that every. Hurry time up! I've got to get home and watch SmackDown. All right. Um, I think uh, maybe Bobby Lashley could turn against John Cena and say, uh, "Hey, you know, where were you?" Uh, you know, while you're off filming movies, I'm getting beat up by these guys, and so then you the, pop the in just to team with me. There. Yeah, so yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to see that happen. But anyway, I'm gonna go with why well, not? I'll go with Lashley and Cena. It was Rock and, and Cena. Yeah, if you remember? Yeah, yeah, and then Cena now has run up. He's become, become well. He certainly has not a rock, not, no. not not as uh, he has not taken the world by storm like no. the Rock did. No. Uh, and finally, for for the WWE Super Showdown, Triple H with the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels in his corner versus The Undertaker with the Mayor Kane. Mayor Kane is going to cost his team the victory. Really? I don't know why, yeah. Yes. Well, it's not his team. Well, he's just in his corner. I know, but he's going to cause the he's going to cause a loss for The Undertaker somehow, I don't know how, or or Wait, let me go the other way. Okay. Or Shawn Michaels is going to somehow get involved in this match, and it's going to be thrown out. And, of course, we're going to go to the Saudi next match. Yes, to uh, Saudi, I'm gonna go Saudi with, uh, Arabia as a tag team match. I think uh, Shawn Michaels, I, I think Triple H is going to win. I don't think they'll throw the match out. Because um, I don't think people would be happy. No, it might be it a pull apart. A, yeah, I think Shawn Michaels is going to do something to... Uh, is going to get involved and Triple H is going to win. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it might be the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Okay. And that is Headlock on Headlines. Quickie pickies. Hey, guys. Do you remember uh, when you used to always be able to go at a moment's notice? Hey, guy. Remember me? Tex? That's it. Nice to see you, Joshua. Nice to see you, Tex. Part of Welcome the back. Chew crew. I notice you don't have your uh, guitar with you. No, my guitar, my guitar right now is not with me because I come here as an advocate. You're here as an advocate? Advocate, that's what I say. You know, my buddy, uh, Lou, Lou Chu Goldstein. I'm familiar with Lou Chu right, Goldstein. I want to make sure that he's going to get the job. You see, I'm not. I could be an announcer too. You see, know, I thought you were going like to be here as an advocate for Blue Chew. Uh, well, I'm for that too, for Blue Chew. But I'm an advocate for Lou, so I'm here to. 
put in my good word as a record, because I know you need references. I know I could be. Well, give me that. Give me that paper. Hey, guys, let's talk about sex. Good oh. sex. Okay. How am I doing? All right. Um, so, you know, hey, guys, you, re- you now you can increase your performance and get the actual confidence in the bed, just like Texas got all the time. Because I use Bluetooth too. Is it getting too good? Because you then you're not going to hire Lou. I think that those things are not mutually exclusive. I'll keep going now. Bluetooth.com, that's the website, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, buddy, you know they work, okay? Josh, I'm not. As like I said, I'm an advocate. So I'm going to leave saying give Lou the job, but you can you can finish this up here because I don't want to embarrass you that I'm so good with this, all right? Oh, Thanks. I appreciate that, all Tex. Right. I'm coming. Hold the car there. Taxi. Dang, I missed my ride. All right. Well, while Tex uh, tries to call an Uber, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about Blue Chew. You can take him in the day, you can take him in the night, and you can take him even for, say, an afternoon delight. And most importantly, you can take him on a full stomach. Since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code Bill. Just pay $5 shipping and you get your first shipment absolutely free. I cannot stress enough. Excuse me, your receptionist is quite hot here. Okay, well, she is 75 years old, but I will tell her. Uh, te- text, uh, please don't. All right, I, we really need to cut this off as he is, uh, well, and he's popped a Blue Chew and he's now on the desk. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. You come here often, sweetheart. You know, Josh, when people ask me about the highlight of my career, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that I photographed in a wrestling ring. Um, it wasn't presenting any of the year-end awards for PWI. It was being there to help put the key in the ignition that started sports entertainment, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if I'd give that type of credit to the after chat, but thank you for saying so. In truth, beside the after chat, is that, as people know, I'm the person who brought Andy Kaufman. Yes. The, uh, uh, he hated being called a comedian, but I brought Andy Kaufman, the, uh, um, the entertainer, mm-hmm. to meet Jerry the King Lawler. And that feud ignited what people credit today as being the beginning of sports entertainment yeah so you you and i don't mean this as a as a joke you had a hand in one of the bigger early moments of entertainment being injected into the sport and making it sports entertainment it was probably in terms of on a a national basis worldwide basis it was the first it was the first yeah so so for those of you who don't like sports entertainment you can Send your hate tweets Thank to you. Uh, no, but but that this was the first time uh, a mainstream celebrity like Andy Kaufman, who was mm-hmm. starring in the TV show Taxi, yes. um, went down to Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and got himself into uh, a feud with Jerry the King Lawler. Yes, and to this day, that is considered by um, people that uh, look at TV history. Mm-hmm. And television savor, historians, yeah, yeah, and savor what 
uh, were classic moments on TV. Mm-hmm. They talk about Andy Kaufman and his feud against Jerry the King Lolo that spilled over to the David Letterman show. Of course, yeah. So recently we had the opportunity to talk to Jerry the King Lawler about the Andy Kaufman, um, the days of the Andy Kaufman feud. Yeah. We, and we, also about, uh, we talked to him about the unfortunate death of his son, Brian. Yes. Um, and then we also had an opportunity to speak to him and his fiance about uh, horror movies and somebody that they met uh, who was uh, Linda Blair. So that's a story that you definitely and comic wanna... books too. and comic we yes. we we covered a lot with Jerry the King Lawler, um, so yeah. Without any further ado, Bill, would you like to send us off into that? Interview? Well, I'm not going to say without further ado because you just said that. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is an after chat with Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler, one of my closest friends in the wrestling business and personal friends. As well, welcome to the After Chat. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Bill. I mean, I'm so excited. You've caught me uh, while I'm down in Florida right now, and we just got here today. And so uh, Lauren and I, and we're going to be down here for about a week or so, I think. And wouldn't you know that I looked down and, you know, you and I had agreed that we would talk around uh, this time. And so I told Lauren, oh, I'm, I got I to gotta run out to the car and talk to Bill on his podcast so I left her in the store shopping. So I just want you to know, Bill, the longer we talk, the more money she's going to spend. Oh, well, it's so, been nice uh, having you on the after chat, Jerry. Yes, uh, thank, thank you, you so much. I'll see you guys later. Yes, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. You know, I, t- I told you about the time that uh, that she somebody stole her credit card out of her wallet, right? No. I didn't, I, I didn't, yeah, man, I didn't even have it stopped because the thief was spending less money than she was. <laughs> uh, by the way, you know, we, we saw you, of course, at the uh, roast of uh, Bruce Pritchard at uh, StarCast and All In, and there, w- there was a, a, a couple of things you said there that a lot of people who had not seen this on Fight TV, and, you know, for years people said that uh, uh, you like younger girls, and that's not embarrassing to you at all, is it? Only when I have to drop them off at school. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> but other it. than <laughs> yes, other than other than that, it's not embarrassing at all. Or when I take them out to an Italian restaurant and they order pescetti. <laughs> <that's> not... <laughs> I I actually still do that. Um, so I, I I wanted to uh, first of all, there are people here who don't know. Well, who... everybody. Well, first of all, everybody know that those were jokes that I told during the Bruce Prince. Yes. Now yes. yeah, come on. Well, I, I will I will need you to do the the other joke, but we'll we'll change one word in there. Um, oh my gosh! Well, well, yeah, we'll we'll make it like that thing you put in with a screwdriver instead of the f bomb. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, <laughs> look, there are some people listening who might not know who Lauren is. So why don't you tell us who Lauren? Well, Lauren is, is uh, Lauren is my fiance. We've been together now for uh, I think a little over eight years, and we've been engaged now for a little more than a year. We were uh, we almost pulled the Nikki Bella. Well, actually, we got we got engaged. I think a week or so after or a week or so before John Cena and Nikki Bella. And, um, and we almost pulled the same, same thing not too long ago, but now it's, everything's back on. Everything's cool. And, uh, well, that's good. Uh, so it's all nice. That's good. Cause I've met her and she's, uh, she's terrific. Is this a competition with Cena and Bella? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> it's not a competitive thing. 
So we, no, I, I mentioned we have a lot to talk about. One of the things, and I, I, I have to bring this up because the, the people listening to this will say he didn't bring this up. Of course, we want to say we're so sorry about um, the, the loss of Brian. And you know yes. I knew him. I knew him really, really well. I went to England with him sure a couple of times, yep. and he was, uh, uh, he was a great kid. So d- just uh, what would you like to say at this point? Because I, people want to hear your feelings here. Well, I mean— Hopefully, um, anybody doesn't have to actually know. There are probably some people out there listening that have experienced, you know, the death of a child. Or certainly, Brian wasn't a child, but he was my child. And and sure. the old saying is, you know, a parent should never have to uh, bury a, a a child. And it's 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 so difficult to put into words. It's yeah. just uh, it's. It's it's awful. I mean, literally every single morning I wake up every morning since that day, and you think the first thought in my mind is Brian, and I'm thinking, was this a bad dream, you know? And then a minute later, the the reality hits you, and it's just, uh, I mean, you know, just everything you see uh, all day long reminds you of him, and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good times you had with him. Is there one moment in the wrestling business that you spent with him that you've never forgotten? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I I, I can remember tons of wrestling moments with Brian. Um, it's it's funny. Brian and I, um, Lauren and I were just talking about this the other day. We, we had more, rather than a... I mean, we did have a father and son relationship, but rather than uh, even more than the father and son relationship, we had a, we had a like a wrestling buddy relationship. I know. I mean, you know, Brian Brian got into the wrestling business um, just not long out of out of high school when um, you know, and and I didn't really I wasn't really around him. He, you know, he and and Kevin, his brother, grew up with their mom, and uh, and so then you know I, I first started seeing him after he graduated and that sort of thing on a regular basis and then right after that he got into the wrestling business and and it was almost like we were uh, you know we we missed the we missed the young uh childish uh father and son relationship and then it became you know once we were in the business it was it was more like a uh like you like wrestlers have with yeah, each he other was know, of, he was one of the boys he became he became yeah. one of the boys. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. That's that's what it was like, you know. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, just uh, just tons of memories. It, you know, one of the, one of the main things Brian was a was a uh, huge Pittsburgh Steeler I fan, know. and and every I mean, he lived every year for the time when you know football season, and and uh, he wasn't so much a baseball or basketball fan, but just really football and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think that. That came about somewhere at an early age because, I mean, he and I have talked about this many, many times, and he denies that it was one of those uh, rebellious moments, you know, where he was going <laughs> to go against Because Cle- you're dad. Cleveland Browns. I'm, I, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. And so we, we butted heads over the Browns and the Steelers for so many years, and, you know, uh, unfortunately – uh, Brian usually had the, you know, he usually had the better season uh, than than the Browns, and 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 it was so, you know, it was so poignant that that the first game of this season was the Browns against the Steelers, 
And I just, you know, it's all I could think of but during the whole game. That we would either be watching it together or we'd be talking on the phone while the game was going on back and forth if we weren't in the same city and and, uh, and about, you know, who was going to win. And, 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 you know, lo and behold, it turned out to be a tie. Neither team won. Wow. And, and that was almost fitting. A draw. You know, for, a draw. For that. Yeah. A draw. Yeah. Now, so, you, met, you mentioned Kevin, your other son. Uh, I yeah. remember seeing Kevin refereeing. What's he doing these days? Well, Kevin has owned a Kevin has owned a carpet cleaning business in Memphis for over 15 years, and he does really well with that. Uh, he does mostly commercial cleaning on restaurants and and different businesses and things like that. So he usually works nights, you know, when the when the stores or whatever he's uh, uh, restaurants are closed. So he has a kind of a he has a kind of weird uh, hours. But he also, you know, he promotes wrestling. He's uh, he's the owner of Wildfire Wrestling, Memphis Wildfire Wrestling. Matter of fact, we just had a he just promoted a show at Handy Park down on Beale Street uh, two weeks ago, and we got another one coming up in the week after next. I did I didn't know uh, about this it's on the twenty seventh. Yeah, well, he's I mean he's promoted wrestling for years and years. He he refereed some for us. He even wrestled. You know, do you, believe it or not, Kurt Angle's first match, the first match that Kurt Angle had in Memphis, Tennessee, when the when the WWE sent him down, they signed him and sent him to Memphis to, for you know to start working there and, and and you know get his uh get a little experience in. First match he ever had on Memphis TV was against my son Kevin. Wow, wow, I didn't know that. Hey, you can't call him Wildfire unless I'm the champion. <laughs> right. my little Tommy, Tommy Rich. Rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry, I had, I just wanted to share real briefly about Brian. Um, I oh, never yeah. had the opportunity to meet him, uh, but I was a huge fan of his. And actually, my friends and I, we went in high school on Halloween uh, as Too Cool and Rikishi. Oh, um, wow. I was, I was actually Scotty Too Hottie, but uh, my friend Andrew <laughs> was Grandmaster Sexay. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I, as our listeners know, I, I spent a cup of coffee as a, as a wrestler myself. Um, Brian was one of the guys that I had kind of, when I was growing up, looked at because I'm only 5'8". Um, I used to watch and just say, okay, like, all right, yeah, I get I'm not going to be Hulk Hogan, you know, but I was like, okay, hey, I could be like that. And I tried to copy some of his mannerisms. I even, uh, one of the first times I was in the ring, tried his leg drop off the top rope. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I did a horrible job. But, uh, but no, but I, so I just wanted, you know, um, to be able to, express my condolences on it and just say that, you know, he, uh, he brought a lot of happiness to a lot of fans. So back in, we want to back up now, back to the magazine days. When we first were doing the magazines and you and I got to know each other and all that, there were other people who claimed to be the king of wrestling. There was Ernie Ladd, there was Bobby Shane, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jerry became Jerry the King Lawler. So can you clear this up? Who came first? Well, uh, I Wasn't would, it Bobby Shane? No, well, yes, Bobby Shane came before me, and I think I think uh, Ernie Ladd came before uh, Bobby Shane. I, I'm not really sure about that, but I saw somebody. I just did the uh, Philadelphia Comic Con this past weekend. I was there some with fan, you. I saw you there. Yes, exactly. Some fan brought one of the early, early magazines in that uh, it had a bunch of the drawings that I had done. I think it was from 1971. And, I mean, I was literally just barely getting in the business. I'm, I had my first match uh, in December, I think, of 1970. 
And so uh, in 71, I was still, you know, maybe just having a match here or there and, and, and uh, trying to get my foot in the door with, with Nick Goulas. And, 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 of course, Jackie Fargo was helping me along the way there. But um, it, it, it was funny because I was just a little side note. It had a couple of pages. And, I, Bill, I don't remember if this was one of your magazines or not at the time. I, I don't think it was back back then. Back in the early no. 70s, no. I, I, don't, I don't think that one was either. But um, anyway, it, it had a, just a real young picture of me and, and, and then several of the drawings that I drew that I would that really was the way I got into the business by drawing these pictures and sending them to the TV station that aired wrestling. The Lance Russell saw my pictures, showed them on TV, and showed them to Jackie Fargo. And then Fargo got in touch with me and had me come over. He wanted me to do some, mainly just do some artwork for him. And then he and I became friends. And that's how I sort of, you know, that's how one thing led to another. And that's how I got into the business as a wrestler, uh, or as, as an artist turned wrestler. Uh, but then um, this particular magazine had the little two-page story on me on the inside, but on the cover was Bobby Shane. And it didn't send this was in 71. And at that time, he, he wasn't that wasn't the gimmick. He, he didn't have a crown. It wasn't that he had a he had a nice looking valet with him. Sherry. Uh, but he was just. Yeah. yeah, Sherry. Exactly. And uh, but he wasn't doing the king gimmick yet. All I remember, though, is. Um, now, now I'm, I'm the worst on remembering years or whatever, but it I seems like it was around 75 or 74 or something like that. Uh, I was I went down to Atlanta. Jerry Jarrett was helping Jim uh, Barnett book the Atlanta territory, and and so what they were doing they were running shows on Friday. Jerry would send down some video of me uh, that they would use on their TV, and then I would fly down on Friday and make. Uh, I remember back then we were wrestling at the Omni, I believe, and um, so I would I would wrestle there on Friday night, then catch an early flight back to Memphis and be back in Memphis at, for TV. Uh, at, that started at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, yep. which was a live 90-minute show. And and so um, the, the way it all happened, I had just I was working on top with Jackie Fargo, my mentor. It came down to finally, you know, he and I, his, this was a kid that he had helped get started in the business, and now I'm up there trying to take his, take his throne away from him. And that's exactly what I did. I went that's on TV right. one week, and I said, uh, and just, and, and I don't even know why, just out of the clear blue, just trying to make some colorful speech. I said, Fargo, you've been the king of Memphis wrestling for a long time, but you're looking at the kid that's going to knock you right off your throne. And, you know, I didn't even know what I was thinking when I said that, but I just, you know, just kind of colorful speech. Then anyway, that Monday night I went on and I, I won the match. And as I was going back to the dressing room, some young fans that were like heel fans were slapping me on the back and said, hey, you're the king. You're the king now, right? Oh. So I, I, I didn't even think anything about it, but I get back. And then that Friday night, I go down to Atlanta, and in, in, in the locker room comes Bobby Shane, first time I'd ever met him. And he has this big, pretty robe and this, you know, kingly robe. Red and, and and with all the fur on it and everything, and he's got this big red crown, right? And he's Remember. wrestling as King Bobby Shane. And I, as soon as I met him, and as soon as I saw that, I said, "Oh my gosh, Bobby! Where? Tell me, can you tell me where you got this the crown and the robe and everything?" And then I explained to him the story that had happened last week up in Memphis. And I said, "Man, if I were to show up on TV in a week or so with this crown and robe, they would they would go nuts, right?" 
And so I'll never forget, he told me the place. It was called Southern Importers. It was Southern Importers out of Houston, Texas, wow. is where he ordered the crown from. And uh, But then he went on to tell me, he said, you know what? He said, I'm actually leaving tomorrow. Barnett's booking some uh, tour of Australia. And he said, I'm going over to Australia for Jim Barnett. And he said, I'm not going as as the king. He said, I'm just going as Bobby Shane. And he said, I, I really was looking to not have to drag this stuff with me, uh, you know, on the plane and everything. So if you want to, you can take the crown and the robe with you, wear it on TV in the morning. And when he said, when I get back, in about, I think you're going to be gone like a month or so. And he said, when I get back, you know, I'll, I'll get the crown and thing back. And by that time, you will have ordered yourself one from from uh, Houston, right? So that's how that worked out. He loaned me the crown. I showed up the next morning with the crown on and the robe, and that was the beginning of, of Jerry the King Lawler. And uh, it was actually Bobby Shane's crown. And then, and the, and the you know, the sad part of the story is a, a month later when uh, Bobby got back from uh, – back for the tour of Australia. He was back down in Florida and yeah. um, he got killed in a plane crash. Yeah, I remember that. How so sad. I was, I was left with, I was left with the crown and the robe and uh, never, you, you know, never got a still chance have to return that? it. Do you still have the crown? No, I, 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 you know what? I have no idea what exactly happened. I've, I've, the crowns do not travel well. They're pretty fragile. And, 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 and on these, you know, on the trips over the years, I've gone through probably, two or 300 crowns. And, uh, I'll never forget one time I was, had a brand new crown and, and, um, I was wrestling in Owensboro, uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, Christine Jarrett's, uh, uh, town. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I went out to the ring with black Bart. You remember black of Bart? Of course I do. Yeah. Uh, big old black Bart. He was new in the territory and I don't know where he had come from, but he, he didn't know the ways. He especially didn't know how you would, how you uh, conducted yourself in one of Christine Jarrett's towns. We got in the ring, and I'm standing across from him, and I got this new crown under my arm, and uh, you know they announced me, and I, I handed the crown to the referee to put it over to the timekeeper's table. Black Bart grabs the crown out of his hand, sits it down on the floor, and just stomps on it with both feet, smashed it <sighs> flatter Bart. than a flitter. Yep. I was I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. Right. And and then he grabs the microphone and he says, he says, Lawler, I'm gonna rip your head off and shit down your neck. <laughs> and I went, oh, I don't know if you could say that on TV. I mean, on your on your podcast. Oh, that's I'm fine. sorry. You, you but can. bleep it out, okay? <laughs> but anyway, he screamed that on the microphone, and I was in shock. But I I don't know if I was more in shock for what's because of what he said on Christine's microphone, or was that he just smashed my crown to bits, right? <laughs> But anyway, I looked up, and man, here comes Christine Jarrett running. I mean, not walk. She was running to the ring. And she told him, get out of my ring. Get out of my ring and get out of this town. It was crazy, man. It was awesome. Yeah. So, but anyway, crowns, crowns, just different things would happen to them all the time. They just didn't last long. So I'd actually wanted to ask you about the crowns, because I always uh, considered the crowns that you've had for the majority of your WWE run uh, almost like your casual crown. Uh, the kind of flat top. Well, those, yeah, those were the ones, those were the ones that wore the best, you know, the big tall ones. Mm-hmm. They just didn't, they never were made. I don't know. You know, the people that made them down in Houston, Texas, they never made them quite big enough. They just would barely sit on top of your head where they, they, they really didn't look right, you know, wearing them. So I would always just kind of hold those a couple of times I would wear them, right. but uh, mostly I would just hold them. And then I would get the flat ones. I, I had one really made out in at a movie 
at a movie prop place in Hollywood, California. That was one of the best ones. I still have it to this day that just would wear perfectly, you know, but it had the more of the, it had the more of the flat top to it. Um, it's, it's crazy. One time I went, one time I went to, um, to Hollywood, California with a guy named Larry Burton, who was a, who was a, you know, Larry, well, he's no longer with us, but anyway, Larry, Larry, uh, took me out to California one time. He was big friends with all the people that movies, movies, uh, and the taxi crew and, and, uh, Andy Kaufman. As a matter of fact, Larry, uh, had shot all of the footage that Andy Kaufman sent to Memphis. Uh, the, like the, like if you remember the, the scene where he's wrestled some girl out in front of a swimming pool. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was actually Larry Burton shot that with his own little home video in front of his own swimming pool. But anyway, Larry took me to the Disney studios out there. I was a huge, huge uh, Disney fan. And so uh, Walt had already passed away, but his brother, Roy Disney's office, he took me up by Roy Disney's office, and he took me into Mitch. Oh, what was Mitch's last name? Oh, gosh. Anyway, anyway, he was like one of the general managers of the, of the studio, and his office was just full of every kind of uh, Disney memorabilia. It was like walking into a museum. I was so insure, I was so impressed with this thing, right? And so, anyway, on this trip, I had to wrestle uh, in a couple of days out there, and I had gone from Memphis and forgot my crown, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so Larry tells me Larry was a good friend of Mitch, and he says, Mitch, this idiot comes all the way out here to wrestle, and he forgot his crown. He said, somewhere here in the somewhere in the Disney Studios, you guys got to have a, a prop crown, don't you? And Mitch says, "Yeah, let me let me get on a let me get on a phone here." So he gets on the phone and uh, he makes a call. As you can tell, Lawrence getting in the car here. If you could hear that noise, anyway, he makes a call, and in like two or three minutes, in walks this young intern, and he's got this beautiful green crown, right? And and I I thought, where where did this come from? And he said, "This this was used in a movie that I had seen when I was just a little kid." called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. You ever remember a Disney movie like that? I it don't. It was about le don't. leprechauns or whatever. You can look it up. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And anyway, it was, and I had actually seen that as a kid. And I said, oh, my gosh, no, I can't. I can't take this to a wrestling match. Something will happen to it or whatever, you know. But anyway, I did. I wound up using that crown. I mean, I've just got all sorts of stories of crowns from over the years, you know. So I, I wanted to circle around back to uh, you becoming the king. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a different king on our show, uh, star maker Kenny Bolin. Yes. Who suggested that <laughs> you actually became the king uh, after overhearing him being called the king? Uh, I believe the king of seventh grade kickball, if I'm correct. So, oh, the that, king of seventh grade. That's, yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. I, I, I was, uh, I was the king when he was in, probably in diapers. <laughs> right. So I just wanted, I I just wanted to know. see if we could confirm or uh, deny that story from the uh, star maker. Yeah. I, well, I, mean, I will tell you that I will tell you that Kenny Bolin has. You know, he's made a living trying to emulate my career. Uh, and, and, and he's just, uh, he's not been a very, he's not been a very credible king. Uh, I don't, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if Kenny, I think I had him in the ring. I think I just saw a picture not long ago of him laying flat on his back at, at an OVW show where he tried to wrestle. <laughs> and um, so uh, uh, I don't. I, I do know that I think I tried to pile drive him, 
and it was like it was like trying to pick up Haystacks Calhoun. It was it, it was just impossible. Or what? Or, yeah, or one of the McGuire twins, right? Oh man! And so I remember uh, them. So I want to circle around to. Uh, I was just jumping all over the place here, but uh, yeah. Let's so jump. One, one thing I was surprised at, um, and I never I never talked to you about this. Everybody associates you and I together with the whole Andy Kaufman thing. Um, which and they I'm should so, as well. They should. I never say anything about Andy Kaufman without crediting you, Bill. I know, and, and I really and never, you know how much I appreciate that. Would have never happened without you. You know, you know how much I appreciate that, and uh, it, it's bonded us for life, obviously. But there's one thing that I never understood, and you know, we did this whole great thing at uh, Starcast, and it's gotten great reviews. But there's one question I never asked you about the whole Andy Kaufman thing. When did you decide to come out and say this was a work, so to say? Because I, I had thought for the rest of our lives we were just going to, nope, that was real. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember when it was myself. I think after, I, I'm sure it was after Bob Zamuda, you know, was Andy's big buddy. Uh, it was after Bob Zamuda had come out with the book and uh, explaining what a, all he knew about it. And, uh, David Letterman came out with his book saying that, that, that Andy had, but I, I still don't believe this, that Andy had confided in him that, uh, uh, you know, that what we did on his show was basically a work, but no, I, don't, I, don't I don't believe that. that he did because I don't buy that at all because it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a work. I mean, Andy and I never got together and said, Hey, when we go on the show, I'm going to slap you. And you know, we're, this will right. be the, biggest thing that ever happened that was that was never said we went on the show with the with the premise of uh being on there for two segments during the first segment we were going to argue a little bit dave was going to take a break then during the second segment andy was going to apologize to me for making fun of wrestling and i was supposed to apologize to andy for hurting his neck and he was going to get up andy was going to sing what the world needs now is love sweet love right so that's what that's what the letterman people, the segment producer, Bob Morton, and all those people thought was going to happen. And that's what I thought was going to happen. You know, and then um, as one, you know, as one thing led to another, as, and this, that was the great thing about Andy. And I guess that went back to his uh, improv days from, from Hollywood or whatever. I mean, that was what he was so good at improvisational stuff, his skills. Uh, And he, you know, he, you know, this, he, he would deny and he hated being called a comedian. He right. said, I've never told a joke in my life. I'm not a comedian. I'm a performance artist. And and so everything that he was almost like everything that Andy did, he was he was performing. So you never knew, uh, you know, you never knew what was real and what wasn't real with Andy. And then and, no, he wanted to rile the audience up. He was he was a heel performer. And you know what? That that came from him being a wrestling fan yeah. as a kid. He told me one time. He said, "Man, I used to watch." Uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was his favorite. Yes. And he said, I used to watch him on TV, and he said, I could tell. He said, even as a kid, I could tell that this guy was trying to make people hate him, but yet he was still popular. And he said that he said that somehow had an impact on me, and that's that's the way Andy's career was. He hated doing the ta- he hated oh, doing no. taxi. He hated sitcoms. He he you know he didn't like the Laka character, and, and like you said. He enjoyed getting a negative response yep. from his audience more so than the, uh, laughter or, uh, or claps or anything like that, or applause. He, he he enjoyed, he loved it when people booed him. 
And that's why that's why I started doing the wrestling with women thing because people would just absolutely come out and boo the guy, and he loved yeah. it. Do you, one thing you probably don't know, and I just remember this now. We're talking about this. Something always new comes out of this is that I called Buddy Rogers, and he said, "You know the guy Lotka from Taxi? You really know him?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "He's a a friend of mine. I'm hooking him up with Jerry Lawler and all this." And I got permission for Andy to call call him. And Andy said that was like one of the, the best days of his life when he talked to Buddy oh, Rogers. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I Rogers, can imagine. Yeah, Rogers was working as a uh, a greeter at the Playboy Club at that point in Atlantic City. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, did was, Andy ever get to go by there? He did. Uh, I don't know I, if he I got— just imagine that that would have been right down <laughs> Andy's alley to go to the Playboy Club and no. meet Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. That I don't know if he got there. I don't know if he got there, but I do know he— uh, he did meet him. So on a, on another off subject, yeah, and let me let me tell you this. Speaking of the highlights of his life, I, I tell people all the time when like somebody brought one up to me to sign in uh, uh, in Philadelphia the other day. The the twin the twin pack of action figures where it has me and Andy on the on the, in the action figures. Yeah. I tell everybody that would have been the highlight of Andy's life to know that he would that he would someday be an, an actual wrestling action figure. He would have loved that. I I need to get what. Where is where can you find that? Uh, you you get them on Amazon now. Uh, I mean, do you know uh, what company you, puts yeah. that out? Yeah, um, it wasn't. I think Jax was like the first ones. I don't I don't know if it was Mattel or or Josh um, is looking it up while yeah, we're talking here. Yeah. So on a, yeah. another totally unrelated topic, and this again is a total unrelated. Uh, uh, interview here and hello, Lauren. Oh, yeah, it, if it she was, can hear this, it uh, was Jax. It was Jax. Oh, it was yeah. Jax. Okay. Yeah. Cla- okay, the classic superstars. Yeah, I've I've got to get okay. one of those. Yeah. Keep that keep that I'll up keep there. there. I'll send it to so you. one of one of the other things that you you and I've talked about, and I'm not. We'll get to the horror movies, but you've always had this obsession with collecting Coca Cola merchandise. How did that start? Well, I was a big fan of an artist by the name of Haddon Sunbloom. And I mean, that goes back to my childhood. I was a fan of his artwork. He was the artist and he worked for Coca-Cola in in doing all sorts of their uh, advertising art, beautiful paintings of girls and people drinking Coca-Colas and all that sort of stuff in in all the the early ads. But he was the most famous for the Coca-Cola Santa. He was the artist. Haddon Sunboom was the artist that painted all the Coca-Cola Santa Clauses. And he would paint a different Santa picture every single year for Coca-Cola. And, you know, there's been, I mean, he must have done 50 or 60 of them. And so I was just a huge fan of his artwork. And I was in, speaking of that, I was in Philadelphia the the very first time that I actually saw a calendar. Uh, that was in this antique store. I'm walking by, and this old antique store had this beautiful, I mean, it looked like it was from the day, you know, like it was brand new, but it was from, uh, the the page it was open to was November 29th, 1949. And that was my birthday. That was the day I was born and everything. And here's this beautiful Coca-Cola calendar. And I had to go in, and I I think it was like 65 bucks or something like that. But anyway, I bought this calendar. It was already framed. I brought it home. And that was my first, my first start of any kind of Coca-Cola collecting. Not long after that, I had a friend, Eddie Bond, who was who, who was a, a singer on, on Memphis TV that was partnered with with uh, Jackie Fargo. Eddie Bond calls me up and he says, "Man, 
down at Blackie's Body Shop on Union Avenue. He said they're they're uh, they've got some stuff that they're clearing out. They're going to renovate the place, and he said they've got an old Coke machine that has been down there since 1950. And he said, if you want to get this Coke machine, he said, I think I can get them to sell it to you for a couple hundred bucks. So sure, sure enough, I got this. Actually, the Coke machine was from 1949. It was old. It was made out of an old Westinghouse. It was uh, right after the war, and there was this metal shortage. So they were making Coke machines out of refrigerators. It was an old right. Westinghouse <laughs> refrigerator that they would put up, put a drum inside that turned around and, and with the crank. And and uh, so then I bought that, and then. It was on. It was just like, oh, my gosh. Next thing you know, you know, back about uh, nine years ago or maybe 10 years ago, I had to uh, move out of my house that you came to down on Walnut Grove, the one where me and Andy filmed some of his uh, great interviews and everything. I had to move from that house into a bigger house simply because of my collection of Coca-Cola <laughs> yes. and and all sorts of memorabilia that That's I have. Great. You know, your old your old buddy Rodney Dangerfield, you say, hey, I hate antique shops. <laughs> I almost got killed in an antique shop once. I walked in, I asked him what's new. <laughs> anyway, but I'm pro. Well, I don't like I don't like anybody I don't like antique shops anymore either because I walked in one the other day and three people bid on me. <laughs> <laughs> um so I wanted to talk a little bit about your time in uh, WWE. What do you mean my time? Like my time? My, my time is over. I'm still there. Look, I'm I'm just waiting for the call. They just they just called me the other day. I got to be on SmackDown 1000 coming up in October. Oh nice. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not sure about the now. They just announced the, the second Saudi Arabia trip. Yes, uh, are you gonna, that I was on last year. Take that flight again? Uh, yeah, man. I'm I don't know. <laughs> that was tough. I'm telling you, that was tough. Um. You know, since you brought that up, what were your thoughts on that? You know, there have been a lot of people have gone back and forth about the Saudi Arabia shows and whether or not, you know, it's appropriate for them to be doing this because I, I because the women are not allowed to be there and the uh, and just the way that uh, the culture is there. What are your feelings on WWE? Oh, I, I started to say, what do you mean the women were not? Yeah, I, I know what you mean now. Yeah. The WWE, <laughs> the WWE women were sure. not allowed to be on right. the show or on right, the tour. right. Well, you know what? I mean, I still think I think I think it was good in the fact that it, it is it is helping bring about change. I think that eventually, uh, if we keep going, that the, the women will be allowed to go over there. Because I really thought that I, I didn't think that there were actually going to be even women allowed at the show. But oh my gosh, I was so surprised and so so shocked at how it's almost they they, they want to be so westernized. They want to be like like we are, mm-hmm. but I think it's this, this deep-seated religious uh, leaders that are still somehow in power, but I think, you know, it's as, as, as time goes on, that's, I think that's going to change, and, uh, because I, I was shocked that, <clears throat> I mean, there were so many families there, uh, you know, women, beautiful, I mean, some beautiful women, too, there, uh, and, and, and some of them would have on the, uh, you know, I, I think they're called burkas or whatever, yes, you know, where you yeah. could just, just see... So I'm just, it was, it was, it ran the whole gamut. There were women there with the complete burkas. There were women there that just had, uh, that didn't have their face covered. And then there were women there that just, you know, were just dressed like anybody out of, uh, here in Florida or whatever, you know, right. just dressed normal right. with the kids and their husbands and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's really, I, I think it's a great thing that we get to go and, uh, you know, uh, I, I really think it helps to bring about change. And, and, uh, you know, while, while, we, while I was over there, just in the short time that I was there, I saw things on, uh, uh, 
on television that you know the women i mean it's it has been weird over there where the women weren't even allowed to drive or, or a lot of things you know right, but it, yeah. it's all changing now i mean it really is changing and i i would think that the time will come when uh the WWE women will be allowed to go there. Yeah, I, I do too. Women drivers, is that another sub? No, go right ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. Oh, come on, watch so, out now, Bill. <laughs> so going back now to, uh, I guess we'll say, the beginning of your time in the WWE, which is still, of course, uh, continuing. Um, what were your expectations when you went there originally? Because obviously you're known as one of the you know greatest color commentators of all time. Um, when you came into that, into the WWF at the time, was that something that you were expecting to be doing color commentary? Were you expecting to be wrestling? Oh, no, 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 not, not at all. I never, never, ever dreamed. I mean, you know, to me, color commentary was, uh, I mean, wrestling commentary. All I'd known my whole life was Lance Russell and Dave Brown. Right. And they were the two best ever, even, and even though I admired them so much, I never, wanted to be a commentator, never wanted to be a wrestling announcer at all. I didn't even think about that. I just, you know, I knew that they were an integral part of the show, but I never even, I never even thought about that side of it. I was always uh, just, you know, just into the wrestling end of it. Mm -hmm. And the same way when I, in 93, when I first went to the WWE, that's, that's the same way it was there. You know, I started out wrestling um, against Bret Hart and all of all these different guys. And it wasn't until, I don't know, Gosh, I, I can't even remember how what what exactly. I'd have to look back at exactly what year and when it all started. But it was during the time of the the Monday Night Wars, and and when I was up there doing the wrestling at that time, Vince McMahon was doing the play by play, and I think Randy Savage. Randy Savage was one of the color commentators. Yes. yes. And um, and so I mean, you know, I to me, Vince is like one of the most underrated. Uh, wrestling commentators. I loved working with him. He's, yeah. he's the best. I mean, he's the best. Yeah. He really is. But anyway, uh, they were they were doing the commentary, and I started out working, you know, with Bret Hart, and I, I wrestled. I had, the, you know, had the program against uh, uh, what Ultimate Warrior, Jake Snake Roberts, and all right. these guys. And then all of a sudden, during the Monday Night Wars, I don't even know how how exactly uh, it came about, but the WCW show came on an hour before Raw did, if you remember. Yeah, and so. I'll never forget. I think we were somewhere up in like the Pocono Mountains or somewhere. We're getting ready to do Raw, and Vince was walking around. So, anybody seen Randy? Where's Where's Randy? I need to get with him on something we're going to do on the show tonight. And nobody could find him. And all of a sudden, an hour before Raw, somebody said, "Oh, Vince, turn on the TV." And he turns on the uh, WCW, and there's oh yeah, there's Randy <laughs> Savage out on their show. He left without noticed he didn't tell anybody and he just showed up on their show and 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 the greatest thing ever i'll never forget vince mcmahon uh, you know he's he's just he's a great non-seller i mean he didn't put it over a bit he did it like it didn't even phase him he just looked at it and all of a sudden he looked up and i just happened to be standing there and he said king can you do the color commentary with me tonight and by next week i'll find somebody else to do it you know, on a regular basis, but can you help me out and do it tonight? And I said, sure. <laughs> and then I, I had no idea what I was going to do or whatever. But anyway, he told me, you know, and he said, next week I'll have somebody else to do it on a regular basis. And of course that was like 25 or 26 yeah. years ago. And I've been, <laughs> I was doing it ever since. So the thing, cause I'm trying to think about, and I'm, I don't mean this to sound like I'm questioning your story, but um, with Macho Man, cause I remember 
I mean, I've heard, I know I've heard Bruce Pritchard tell the story that, about how he found out from Vince. And I'm trying to think of, I could have sworn that I've seen you do commentary before Macho Man even left. I thought you were doing some of like the Superstars shows or something. Well, you just... know what? I, I did. It wasn't like, it wasn't commentary. What they had me do some of, because they did like, uh, you know, they liked my interview skills, mm-hmm. I guess, basically. It was, the, remember they had me do some uh, King's Courts? Yes. Right. And, yes. and and on the Superstar show, uh, never forget, uh, uh, that's where I got introduced. Um, oh, gosh. Bobby Heenan brought yeah. me out on the, you know, the very first time they'd seen me. And, uh, you know, and introduced me as like, the, I don't know, whatever. And then that's where, that's where a lot of the talking, but I don't think I'd actually, if I, I don't think I'd actually done commentary until after, until after Vince, you know, asked me to do it there with him on a regular basis. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny because... When I don't, it was, I don't, you know what? I'm, I may be wrong. I may just have no, just I, made I, up that whole story no, somewhere in my mind. I it's very know. hard to keep the order of what you did so long ago uh, Well, you know, order. and that's the thing for me, like growing up watching some of the stuff as a fan, sometimes the fans will have, and we, we found this just talking, you know, any of the wrestlers that I've spoken to, the fans will have this like uh, encyclopedia, like knowledge of every single thing they did because they're watching it for entertainment. Whereas the performers, it's just another day at the office. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, it's that's kind of tough to expect every wrestler right. to remember. Now anything. I do. You know what? Now that you mentioned, I do remember them having me. I think I actually was on a show where where uh, Vince was doing the play by play, and and Randy was doing the color commentary, mm-hmm. and I think I was out there just as like a a guest, you know, you don't have right. to bring somebody out of the wrestler and, and let them do commentary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let them during the, during the thing. Like that. I think I do remember doing that. I think I do, do remember doing a, a show with Randy before he left, you know? Well, the beautiful thing with the internet is that if any of us on here are wrong, uh, somebody will <laughs> oh, attack somebody us on Twitter. Well, for you know it, what? So. I always thought you'd be a natural for that because I always remember talking to you, uh, back when you had that uh, Jerry Lola book of insults, that great book, <laughs> yeah. which I, yeah. I still have. And I always thought if you were ever a color commentary, boy, that would be a great live action version of that uh, of that book. Do you still have copies of that, by the way? I still, I, honest to goodness, Bill, I have one faded copy of that book, <laughs> one, one faded copy left from the original, you know. I mean, you know, I didn't have a bunch of them made anyway. I mean, that was that was literally like a, uh, home deal with a with a copy machine and staple it down yeah. the middle and that sort of stuff, but uh, I do have one one copy left. And you know, there's still some lines in there that that, that are uh, applicable today to anybody. I just like I, I've often I've had the idea that I wanted to get with the WWE people and put out a you know a book of insults, uh, basically a book of insults that I used on the different wrestlers over the years in the WWE, and then. And, and complete it with like some caricatures and some drawings oh, of the wrestler, you know. Uh, uh, but you know, we haven't done that yet. Have you have you ever done uh, or considered doing stand up? Oh no, no, I, I've not ever. Oh, that's no. You know, that's that's surprising. I think the Bruce, think the Bruce Bruce Pritchard roast was as close to that as I've come, and I was very uneasy and not. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> you know what? First of all, everybody was surprised that. You did that, but now with changing that word, you got to tell that story. You know, you know, you know who was the most surprised? Bruce. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it, I, it you was, know everybody. It was just needs... an old story, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't anything true. And that 
and he had no idea. When I went over and hugged him afterwards, he said, I had no idea where you were going with that. Oh, <laughs> I said, was, I know, I didn't either. You got you got to tell that joke and, and just change the word to that thing you do with a screwdriver. <laughs> Would you tell that well, story? He can, use, he can use whatever word on here. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, well, well, well anyway, here's, here's what happened. It was like I, I was up there and I said, I said, you know, when I, I, I first uh, met Bruce when in in '93 when I started in the WWE, and and uh, and I remember that Bruce would kind of make fun of Jerry Jarrett and I uh, and our promotion down in Memphis because he ran, you know, we ran some shows and they, and and sometimes they didn't always draw well. The guys didn't make a lot of money down there a lot. That was kind of the word, and and Bruce would uh, Bruce would say some stuff about that, right? And so. Uh, I, but then I also recall that after Bruce got let go from the WWE, uh, I remembered that Bruce tried his hand at promoting a wrestling show and he actually had me in there to work on the main event one night. And, um, as, as sometimes would happen, like would happen to, to, to me and Jared, uh, it was like he, he had a bad crowd. Right. And it, so it was, he was so embarrassed that the crowd was that bad. Uh, that he just, he left the show early and he left his wife in charge of, of, uh, you know, paying off everybody, you know, once the money was counted and Bruce, I guess was, was going to be so embarrassed that he didn't want to face the boys afterwards with what was going to be a bad payoff. Right. So anyway, Bruce left early and then the show was over and all the boys were sitting around waiting to get paid. And, and, uh, Bruce's wife came out and said, uh, the two guys that were on the first match, could you come in the office here? So the two guys go in the office and next thing you know, we hear these noises. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, unmistakable noises. There's some moaning and groaning. And, 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 and I said, you could, you could tell that somebody's having sex in there. Right. And so it's like, Oh my gosh. And sure enough, the, the door opens and the two guys that were on the first match come out and one guy's, you know, zipping his pants up and the other guy's all sweaty profusely. Their hair's all messed up and they could go out the door and, she says, uh, second match, come on in. And so and the guys on the second match go in. Same thing, all these noises, this moaning and groaning, obviously sex happening in the room. These two guys open the door, they come out, they can barely walk, they're staggering out of there and the big smiles on their faces. And then she looks and says, uh, uh, main event guys, uh, can you come in? So me and the other guy go in and I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm like starting to take my shirt off and everything. She reaches over and she hands me a hundred dollar bill and she hands the other guy a hundred dollar bill. And I said, well, what is this? And she said, I don't know. Bruce left me in charge. And he said, he told me to give the main event guys a hundred dollars each and screw the rest of the guys. <laughs> yeah. That One was of my favorite jokes. I don't think time. I'd ever seen Bill laugh uh, as hard as he laughed when you did that up on, uh, no, on stage. It was there. So good. So again, jumping around, one of the things that you and I always talk about, of course, is he's got no face. Our favorite character from <laughs> the invisible man. You have been a horror movie fan for as long as I've been a horror movie fan. What, uh, what was the first one you saw that really drew you into that genre? Because, like, mine was The Invisible well, Man. Well, I, I just, and I can't remember which one I saw first. I, I believe maybe The Wolfman or whatever. But anyway, um, the Universal, all the Universal monsters, especially Frankenstein and The Wolfman and The Mummy, the ones that Boris Karloff and, and those guys, I was just a huge fan of, uh, of, of of those those characters and those movies 
And I'll never forget that one time, and this is a story I haven't told a lot of people, but anyway, Halloween was always mine and my brother's favorite time of the year because it was, we had kind of, my mom was kind of strict and it wasn't one of those things. When it got dark, you had to come inside and, uh, you know, you didn't go out by yourself at night or anything like that, except on Halloween. That was the one night of the year, you know, you got to, you got kind of turned loose and then you got to go out and go to all around the neighborhoods. And of course this was at a time, you know, when I was a kid, it was perfectly safe to go out and, and, and trick or treat and all that sort right. of stuff. And, um, so me and my brother were getting ready to go out for Halloween. And we had two boys that lived next door to us, Chucky and Jimmy Teeter. My, my brother's name was Larry. So it was Larry and Jerry. And then Chucky and Jimmy Teeters lived next door to us. And they were the same age as my brother and I. And so we, you know, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money as a kid growing up or anything like that. And our, our costumes back in the day were like, like Charlie Brown. You remember the Charlie Brown carts, uh, comics, yeah, uh, you know, the great pumpkin where they put a, your parents would put a sheet over your head yeah. and cut two eye holes <laughs> in it. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, that was all we could afford for, a, a, for a costume. And my brother and I, this, this one night we're getting ready uh, to go out trigger treating. And so we had a little something extra that year. We had the sheet on us. And then we got to buy these, like, I'll never forget, they like 15 cent little rubber mask with the rubber band that went around the back. And, uh, and my brother, my brother's was kind of a scary looking devil. And mine was like a little porky pig face. Right. <laughs> and so here we, we are getting ready to go out and I'm, I'm kind of all embarrassed with this, with this mask that I got on. And then in comes our next door neighbors who were going to go out trick or treating with us. And their parents had gone out and gotten them this fancy, real scary looking, uh, full costume with a big mask. Both of them had these big devilish looking masks and monster looking mask. And so we had this picture made and it's, it's actually in my book, I believe. Um, uh, the picture is actually in my book of us standing there and I'll never forget how embarrassed I was with this, this, this little cheap mask and everything. So then I, it, I guess like, sort of like the Andy Kaufman, how that, how, uh, the heel wrestlers made an impact on him that made such an impact on me that later on in life, uh, as I got over and I saw in these magazines, I saw these Don post horror masks. you know, I would, I would get the, I would get these, uh, magazines that had been the back of monsters and film land famous monsters. Yes. Famous monster magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so and I did too. So in the back of those were these Don Post masks, and it was something about those masks. And I related it back to the day when I couldn't afford anything but this little, you know, fifteen cent mask. So I started buying all of those masks, and and I became a huge uh, fan of you know, and and of course it was the it was because of the the Universal monster movies that I was a fan of. That first one I bought was Frankenstein. And then of course the mummy and the werewolf and Wolfman and all this kind of stuff. And, and then later on, still later on, I incorporated all of those masks into the wrestling business. Once I, once right. Jerry and I owned the territory <laughs> oh, yeah. you were the and first. I started booking. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I that. Started, Frankenstein. Yeah. That was just Wolfman. something. I, yeah. yeah. Doc, Dr. Frank, <laughs> we had Dr. Frank and we had the mummy and all of these I monsters, I brought them in right. and, and used them in the territory. To well, that was the line that I used That's to great. Andy Kaufman back in my apartment. I said to him, that promotion's way ahead of time. They've got the Frankenstein monster there, the mummy. I said, they're, they're doing something. <laughs> really? 
you know. Oh wow! <laughs> so we're going to get to some uh, fan questions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Lauren's in. Lauren's in the car right now. and I'm getting the evil eye. Uh-oh. This is this is going long. This is going longer than one of my podcasts. <laughs> Look, Lauren. Lauren just said, "Hey, don't put that on me." She's not really giving me the evil eye. Hey, I have a question for you about about Lauren. How does she feel about uh, horror movies? How do you feel about horror movies? Lawrence, you're not a real big fan of horror movies, are you? Well, that's why I ask, because my wife is not a fan, and I'm like you. I'm a huge she, fan of She it. says she kind of enjoys them, and she might have nightmares. I'll tell you, one, I'll tell you a quick story, and, and uh, hang on a second. Let me just, I'm going to put... Can you hear me okay on speakerphone? Yeah. yeah. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Bill. It's Josh and Bill. Oh, sorry. Hey, no, anyway, no listen. And now... I loved all the Universal monster movies, but I was a, like you, Bill. I was always been a huge horror movie fan. I loved, you know, Freddy, Friday the Thirteenth, which we had him wrestle. Tommy Gilbert was Freddy, uh, and then we loved, you know, we loved uh, what Nightmare on Elm Street was Freddy, and uh, Hill. well, House on Haunted Hill was one another one of my old favorites. Vincent but Price. we we you know we used all of these different monsters, but. Without a doubt, the scariest movie that affected me more than any scary movie ever. <laughs> Lord, is it, oh, God. What, let, let me ask you, you guys, is there one horror movie that stands out over all the rest as being the scariest movie you ever saw? Yeah, mine, mine was really dumb. I was a little kid, and there was some movie with a, uh, uh, a bear dressed in a... Uh, a robot suit. It was like I oh, robot or something. I, I scared the hell out of me. I, I you know what you know what a lot of you know what a lot of people say that as kids was a really scary movie to them was The Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, my sister uh. was terrified of that. Yes, absolutely. And I'll they get you, my pretty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But okay, what what about you, Josh? What's the scariest movie you ever saw? For me, it would have been one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies when I was growing up. Uh, which now I remember I looked, I watched it as an adult, and it was like really campy. But as a kid, you know, then it's like you're going to sleep and you're thinking, "Uh oh, well, how am I gonna? Maybe I shouldn't go to sleep. Maybe this Freddy Krueger thing is real." <laughs> so yeah, so that was kind of that was my scariest. All right, let me let me tell you. For me, the scariest movie that affected me for a long time was The Exorcist. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. of, course. Okay. of course. Scary, man. That was so scary. And so not all that long ago, Lauren and I are going at a Comic-Con. I don't, do you remember where it was, Lauren? It was, I believe it was Seattle. Okay, <laughs> so we're at, a, we're at a Comic-Con in Seattle, and I look on the bill, and who do you think is appearing there but Linda Blair? Oh, wow. man. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was like, it was like the greatest thing ever to go and meet Linda Blair, right? That's I mean, crazy. this was the scariest movie I've ever seen, and we're going to meet her in person. So Lauren and I go over, and actually, Scotty Schwartz was a good friend. Yeah. Uh, Scotty from from the Christmas Story was a good friend of Linda's, and he had told her about me and 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 us that we wanted to meet her. So she was just, you know, she was kind of, um, she was, I don't know, kind of expecting to meet us, and then and she was talking a little bit, but she had been a little bit perturbed that morning. She had had a uh, I don't know, like a bad experience getting to the, getting to the uh, comic con or whatever. So she wasn't in the greatest of moods, but, uh, but Lauren, just tell her real quick, tell him real quick of like, what, what was some things she said? Well, so we went over first and she was super nice and I was pretty excited about meeting Linda Blair. I, to be honest, I had not seen the whole exorcist movie because I was really scared of it, but 
she was, so I was pretty excited. So we go over, we talk to her. She kind of takes my arm, and she's like, I just get a good vibe from you. You're you're such an old soul. I, I feel you two together. The You know, the age difference, I'm, I'm not really feeling that. I just feel like you're <laughs> such an old soul. And so I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Linda Blair called me an old soul. So later on in the day, uh, you know, Jerry just keeps saying, oh, my gosh, met Linda Blair. You know, he's so excited. And so I was like, well, we should go get an autograph for the, the movie room. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So we go back over, and as we go over, she's, like, going off on some guy. And oh. I thought, well, maybe this is not. Her, her mood had changed. Maybe <laughs> this is not. A, well, the guy apparently was the person who brought her in, and, and they were having a discussion about whatever her money situation was. With. So right. we caught in that. So anyway, I look at her, and, and we we talk for a second. And I said, well, hey, Linda, you know, um, she's saying how she's having such a crappy day. And, I said, well, they're actually having like a VIP party for, you know, the celebrities. It's a, you know, private party for us later on. Are you going to go? And she's like, cuts her eyes over at me. And she's like, do I look like I want a party? And I just was like, um, okay. And I look at Jerry and he's kind of, he's all giddy just because he's so excited. (laughs) Linda Blair. Yeah. He's like giddy over so he's giggling, and I'm looking at him like, what are you laughing about? Like, <laughs> so she, she kind of, like, leans in and grabs his arm, and she's like, he gets me. See, because we're the same age. Oh. Like, insinuating that I'm, you know, I'm a young girl, and I don't know, blah, blah, blah. What happened to your soul? And I, oh, my gosh. I look at her, and I look at him, and I just walked off. Like, I just <laughs> left. Wow. Man. <laughs> so anyway... So anyway, I, I stay there in another couple of minutes, and she signs a picture for me, and I go back over, and Lauren's sitting at our no, table. No, you were gone for like 30 minutes. Oh, no. I was... <laughs> was gone forever, and I'm thinking, I look at Mike Kingston, who we you know do the shows, but I look at Mike, and I'm like, where the hell is he at? Like, why is he still there? I know he knows I was upset about that. No, I didn't. I swear I did not know she was upset, right? And so anyway, when I finally get back over to the table, Lauren's sitting there, and I didn't—I I swear I didn't realize that she was mad at anything. And I just said, wow, was that not great? We got to meet Linda Blair. And she just looked at me, and she said, screw Linda Blair, except she didn't say screw, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like just my like, favorite F word other than Friday. Yeah, I said, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. But anyway, um, yeah, that was my that was our monster story that's from the Comic Con. Thank was, you. That was the scariest movie no, ever. No, but that, 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 that's a great story. Thanks so, for sharing that. So, what if we just do like one fan we'll question? Because I know we've question. kept we've kept yeah. you on here a long time. Let's call that fan in right um, here. Come okay, right yeah, here. Uh, this comes from Calvin. Um, he wanted to know why you always wore your wrestling gear at the announce table and why you stopped. Good question, Calvin. Well, that is a good question, Calvin. That is a very good question. Because, and it's a very simple answer, because, like I said, I was wrestling, and I went there to be a wrestler, and I was thrown into the commentating, uh, you know, just kind of, um, just to kind of fill in for somebody, I thought, on a, on a, on a short-term basis. Mm-hmm. And so, and if you remember, I still continued to wrestle and do commentary. I mean, you know, right. I was, I was, uh, uh so I would get up and, and, and wrestle and, and then come back over and do commentary and that sort of thing. So that was, that was the reason for that. I did, I just somehow in my mind, I didn't want to be 
known as a commentator. You know, I wanted the people to say, hey, you know, here's a wrestler who's just happened to go in over and, and helping out with the commentary, which is what, in my mind, a I was doing. Yeah, a wrestle-tater, right? <laughs> and so anyway, uh, the reason I uh, finally, I, I mean, you know, I finally stopped doing that because uh, uh, I realized, you know, that I, I wasn't going to, they weren't going to book me to wrestle anymore. You know, I, I, I wrestled the night I had the cardiac arrest right. to Dolph Ziggler and those killer elbows of his. Mm-hmm. I had, I, you know, I wrestled that night, got up and, and went up me and, um, Randy Orton, wrestled CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. Mm-hmm. Dolph gave me 10 of those huge, gigantic elbows. And I remember on the fifth one, I'm laying there thinking, dang, whatever happened to the days we used to do this and not kill each other? <laughs> sure <laughs> enough, <laughs> sure enough, he killed me, right? So, I mean, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm having a cardiac arrest. So anyway, um, that, that was then. And then after that, I've been on basically sort of a no-touch list. Uh, since that time, even though I've gone out, I, I haven't had any matches in the WWE, but I've probably had, that's been six years ago. I've probably had 600 matches yeah. since that time. So you think, um, you don't think they'll ever let you wrestle again in the WWE? No, I, 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 I and, you know, and it's, and it's just, I mean, certainly it's not something that's on their mind at all. You know, sure. they got plenty of other guys that they're thinking about and the creative people, um, no, I, I don't think they will, but simply because I think they would look at it as a, as a liability mm-hmm. in the fact that if something were to happen to me, God forbid, but you know, I think they would think that there would be a lot of bad publicity for them by the people that, you know, a lot of the fans said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they, they shoved this poor guy out there to wrestle after right. he already had a cardiac arrest once. Right. Even though I've gone to him and said, look, I'm fine. I would love to come back and wrestle some. Uh, this, I think it's just, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to suffer the consequences of any bad publicity. We know this in the Indies, you only come out in the night. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for, uh, thank you for for, for, for doing this. And, uh, Lauren, it was great to talk to you again. And, uh, you know, I'll see you somewhere soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the great thing about these Comic-Cons, I mean, there's. are you going to be at the New York Comic-Con coming up in uh, just a week or something? No, I'm not. I'm not. I will not. Be oh, my gosh. Now. You got it. You, you need to start doing the New York Comic-Con. It's huge. Biggest. Well, the second biggest. Uh, San Diego is still the biggest, but it's uh, New York is rivaling it's the same, it right it's up there with it, it. It's the same company that put on this um, Keystone one, as far as I know. And they told me I'm already um, in Chicago next year, but I'll see you before that somewhere. Yeah. You okay. Sounds great. Jerry, I love you, Bill. the King Lawler, love you too in a guy way. I always say that. <laughs> right. and, I, I uh, like you, King. All right. <laughs> me too. Right. Thank, Thank you so you. much. All right, guys. Thank you. So that was our interview with uh, Jerry the King Lawler, and it was wonderful that uh, the lovely Lauren had uh, joined him. Yeah, we're definitely uh, between this and, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the interview or not, but between this interview and Rey Mysterio. And his son. Uh, and his son. Yeah, we're this, this ride-along thing we've got going on here, uh, it's, it's kind well, of becoming our we, gimmick. We, we have to come up with another title, not ride-along. Ride-along? That, yeah, yeah, that's that, kind of taken. That, that other big company that's in the sports entertainment business no. uh, has that. So how about um, that great era? that so many people miss, Josh, and it was so unique and innovative. It was the rock and wrestling era. You remember that? I do remember that. That was when I was a kid. Uh, I, I, 
I remember the uh, the cartoons. I remember them being on MTV. Uh, the rock and wrestling era was was one of my favorites. But you know what's one of my favorite podcasts these days? Actually, I do know. Yeah, it's the Rock and Wrestling Podcast, hosted by Nick Newman. The Rock and Wrestling the Podcast, Nick the Nick Newman, right. features guests every week from independent wrestling, uh, former wrestling stars, and from the rock and heavy metal world. That's what makes it rock and wrestling. Some of the guests on the show have included Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses, Flip Gordon, Conrad Thompson, Jim Florentine, Tony Schiavone, and a guy named Josh Chernoff. I know him. Yes. And in the future, a guy named Bill Apter. I, I have a good authority that Bill Apter is going to be on the show at some point Absolutely. in the near future. Uh, the podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout. New episodes every Wednesday. You can follow them on social media at Nick SRNW Podcast. That's on Twitter there. Uh, Instagram is Rock and the that's the letter N Wrestling Podcast. And Facebook Nick's Rock and Wrestling Podcast. I had a great time being a guest on the show. I've had an even better time listening to his podcast. Uh, so make sure to check it out, um, Bill. Rock and wrestling. Well, there's that. You can use that for free, Nick. If you want, if you want to take that soundbite. Rock and wrestling podcast. Thank you for being one of the sponsors of the After Chat. So, as this episode uh, airs, October fifth on a Friday, um, this is the unfortunate anniversary of the death of Brian Pillman, twenty-one years ago today. Brian Pillman uh, was found dead in his hotel room, um, and it was announced at a uh, WWE pay-per-view um, that he had died. Um, and uh, obviously his son, Brian Pillman Jr., now uh, a, a wrestler, and we hope to get an opportunity to speak to him at some point soon on the After Chat hear about his career. Uh, but Bill, can you tell us a little bit about, obviously you knew Brian Pillman uh, very well. Oh, yes, yes. Brian Pillman was one of those guys, and I know I've mentioned this about a lot of guys, but he was one of the guys who cooperated so much when I was in a territory where he would be um, to pose for pictures and do interviews. There was nothing uh, he couldn't do. And I was out and uh, socializing with Brian and uh, Stone Cold before he was Stone Cold, mm -hmm. Steve Austin. Um, and a lot of the other guys, and he was always a lot of fun, but that, uh, the title that he had, that moniker that people gave him, the loose cannon, yeah, at some of these, uh, clubs we went to, you could see that he, uh, he liked to party, he, he enjoyed it, all the guys did, but, uh, he never did anything so out of the box that I had seen, at least around me, I just found him a very pleasant, a uh, compelling person outside the ring mm -hmm. and inside the ring. You know, people know that I always gravitated toward the flying style wrestlers. Yeah. Flying Brian Pillman flying was Brian one Pillman. of the finest. Yeah, his uh, his matches with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, class. I shot um, several of those, actually. Yeah? Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was, uh, he definitely had an innovative style that nowadays, you know, young fans might look at and not uh, appreciate. They might say everybody did. Yeah, that. just yeah. what's a big deal? He's but coming he was off what, the top rope. Yeah, you know, but, but he was but, one of the trailblazers. Yeah. 
That's why he's he flying, Brian. Was. I I remember I had his uh, Galoob action figure with the uh, the <laughs> Bengals uh, pattern on the I tights. Have it, and I have it down at Aptos Alley. Yeah, but and, uh, uh, how unfortunate uh, when we heard that Brian Pillman had died. It how, was just, how did you hear? I was in uh, I was at home, and uh, I think it might have been Brian Hildebrand. Uh, Mark Curtis. Yeah, who also unfortunately is no Yeah, but with I us. think I think he was the one who might have called me to tell me that Brian died. Wow. Um I remember where I was. I it was, was either he or Les Thatcher. Okay. One of the two. Um I was in my basement getting ready to watch uh In Your House Bad Blood, the first ever Hell in a Cell match. The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels was that night, and uh, it was the pre-show, I believe. And Vince McMahon came on to say the unfortunate news, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, you know, you and I had talked about this before. I, I think it was um, for me, it was really the first um, first time experiencing that the death of a wrestler. Others had passed away kind of once they were out of the spotlight. Um, and, of course, uh, some of them premature, Kerry Von Erich, uh, Dino Bravo. I remember reading about those in the magazines. Uh, obviously, Andre the Giant. Um, but to have an active wrestler pass away, you know, we unfortunately experienced that uh, as the years would go on. We'd experience that more and more. And, of course, now we become almost numb at times to losing wrestlers. Isn't that so terrible? It's, it, that, it's awful. Oh, um, another one died. Yeah, and, yeah. And, it's, and it's never meant as a disrespect to the human being or to their body of work. It's just that it's kind of you just shrug and just like, ugh, another, yeah. another one. Well, um, our, But this was, you know. I just want to say that the memories of him – for me, both as a person and an in-ring athlete, remain positively intact. So we had uh, an opportunity to talk to Jim Cornette recently for a future episode. And uh, I know you're thinking, what, a future episode? We already had him. Yeah, Corny's coming back. Yeah, um, he's a two-time, <laughs> yeah. two-time, two-timer. Um, but uh, when we, we knew we would be recording this and we knew that this would be airing on, on the anniversary of Brian Pillman's death, and we asked Jim Cornette uh, if he had any memories of Brian Pillman and uh, would like to play that for you now. It's not – you're kind of cutting in. There's no real uh, beginning or end. Yeah, but there's kinda... something here that he reveals that very few people know. Yes. Take a listen. So Jim Cornette is with us now. Jim, how well did you know – Brian Pillman. God, uh, I well, I met him in '89 when he came into WCW and knew him, you know, off and on for the rest of his life. But we worked together in Atlanta. We worked together again in the WWF, and we would talk every so often. Uh, you know, in the early '90s, I'll admit that I was hopeful that everybody would just lose their minds that he'd lose uh, all of his jobs and have to work for me in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, but he was yeah. always gainfully employed. Yeah, he was He was an incredible, uh, he was an all-round wrestler, and uh, uh, the times that he and Steve Austin, before he became Stone Cold, teamed up, they were a classic tag team. Oh, you know, without doubt, and, and that's why it that just epitomized WCW at that point in time, because... I was watching the show when I was booking Smoky Mountain at the same time and and, and then had joined the WWF, but I was still trying to keep track of what was going on. And the literally the only thing that I enjoyed about WCW television was Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, the Hollywood Blondes, yeah. and they broke them up shortly thereafter. Yeah. 
Well, that's so, because Jerry Brown and uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck and uh, uh, Buddy Roberts uh, took their uh, they took their gimmick. So filed an Copyright. intellectual property. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay, exactly. I got you. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in the WWE when uh, Brian Pillman passed away, right? I was the one that, that made the phone call to the hotel trying to find him. Were you really? And got the news first. So, uh, from the production office, they had they had said, hey, everybody had gotten there that day except for Brian, who was late, which it wasn't unusual. It, he might be late, but this was getting late, late. Mm-hmm. And they said, call the hotel he stayed at in Minneapolis last night and see what time he checked out. And so I do, and I asked the, the desk guy, I said, uh, you know, I'm looking for uh, to find out what time a guest from last night checked out, Brian Pillman, and I get this, can you hold on, sir? Okay. And I thought may, he might be checking, but I think he went, like, from the desk to, like, the back office so he could talk, and he picks the phone up. He said, uh, sir, you know, and he had me identify that I was calling on behalf of his employer. Mm-hmm. And then I hear, uh, Mr. Pillman has passed away. And the first thing I thought was, why is Brian Pillman standing behind this desk clerk at the XL Inn in Minneapolis forcing him to tell me that he's dead? It's a rib, right? Because it had to be. Hmm. And then I, and I said, now, is this a rib? Expecting Brian to get on the phone. And he said, no, sir, the police are still here. And I was like, okay, I grabbed, like, downtown Bruno. I said, go get Bruce. I'm, I'm tagging out of this one. I just I didn't know what to think. Bruce Pritchard, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we found out. So so were you the one, or you said you, you brought Bruce onto the phone there. Were you, you didn't have to go around and tell everybody, did you? Not me, no. Okay. Not I, said Jim. <laughs> well, uh, Jim, we thank you for taking the time to speak with us and help us to pay tribute to the late flying loose cannon, Brian Pillman. Gosh, you know what? <coughs> I have to call someone back in. It's me, Lou. Is. You promised I could read a commercial. Hey, Lou. All What's right, happening? and I know that... Uh, um, hey, Lou, before we go into this, by the way, I just want to mention to everybody that a good friend of ours of the After Chat, uh, Mac Davis, who is mm-hmm. also in the wrestling business, is the genius behind this uh, smart hold, message on hold. Yes. So, uh, Mac... Uh, Mac Davis, this is for you right now. We're auditioning new announcers for the Smart Hold commercial. Lou, are you ready? Right, come here, Mike. Thank you. Hi, Mike. Uh-huh. Your little joke there? Yeah, there was little. All right, so uh, I'm going to start reading this. What is Smart Hold? Smart Hold is a message on hold service for only $35 a month. That's right, only $35 a month plus no contracts. Uh, Lou, Josh. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have high hopes. Yeah, I, actually, sh- sh- out of that was a great. Tax. That was a great song. Excellent Frank Sinatra movie. Thank you very much. Uh, don't call us. We will call you, Lou. And if you call us by mistake, Smart Hold will be there to entertain you. I mean, Smart Hold's a message on hold service, only thirty-five bucks a month. And Josh, there are no contracts. You yeah, don't that's get amazing. Stuck. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a business where you place callers on hold. One of your most effective and least expensive marketing tools is Message on Hold from Mac Davis's Smart Hold. Plainly put, when you place a caller on hold, you know what? 
you've got a captive audience yeah. right there. Yeah. So replace the radio stations, replace the CD players, and maybe you have some really bad music that came with your phone. Mm. Oh, even worse. You know what the worst thing is? What? Silence. With today's cell phones, silence is deadly. Most callers won't be sure. If they're still connected, they'll probably hang up. So can you afford to lose that call, Josh? Uh, I couldn't. I don't think anyone else can. So with Smart Hold, we make your caller's hold time enjoyable and informative while making the caller's hold time feel much shorter. So it also makes you sound a lot more professional. So Smart Hold, call on hold. You can find out more about them at www.smart-hold.com www.smart-hold.com. Be smart. Get Smart Hold. And Smart Hold is the proud sponsor of a new segment that we have called DWA. Do we agree? DWA. Do we agree? What's today's topic? Today's topic for us to debate is scripted promos. I was in a place backstage probably 15 years ago. Okay. Chris Jericho was sitting at a table, and a writer came over and said, I need you to absorb this. They showed a script to Chris Jericho, who is one of the best impromptu interviews Mm -hmm. in the whole world. Chris, give me three minutes on your feud against uh, Jushin Liger. Mm -hmm. Just whatever would come out of his mouth would be perfect. But that's not what we want you to say. We want you to say what we have in mind. So this isn't an idea. We'd like to hear this almost verbatim. When I saw that, I was like, really? So... I don't know what your feelings are, but I think that we need to go back, at least with the guys who have the type of personality, the outgoing personality, that can do a few minutes on their own with the situation. Talk to me about, give us three minutes uh, about what you're going to do with your opponent. It's a Texas death match, so take it from there. Well, I think it's interesting that you, you made a really good point about saying um, the guys who can do it. Um, and I should say guys and girls, Bill. Come yeah, on, okay, but not, every, <laughs> but not not everybody right. the, can do Right, the this. ones who can do it. Right. And I think that that's, you know, uh, internet wrestling fans have had a tendency to blame any negative thing in the WWE on the fact that the promos are scripted. Um, I don't think it's that extreme. I don't think that it's as extreme as just they script the promos, therefore the product can never be as good as this, that, the other. The ones who can pull it off, you don't know if it's scripted, if it's not scripted. Having said Excellent that, point. I do agree that there are some who can... Look, Paul Heyman is a guy who's given... Uh, he's he's given as much rope as he wants, uh, as long as he gets, his, gets the point across that the writers have come up with. Um, Triple H... I doubt anybody's handing Triple H a script saying you need to learn it's this. It's not what Stephanie yeah, wants yeah, him to verbatim. say. Um, a guy like Shawn Michaels, I'm sure they said to Shawn Michaels, hey, here's what we want you to hit. Go out and do it. It's the old school season guys you're talking about. Exactly. But, yeah. But then that raises the question of 
okay, yeah, those guys can go out and do that, but those guys can only go out and do that because they went out and did it for so long. Absolutely, so, I agree. In essence, we're not giving these younger talents, you say, the people who can do it. How do we know who can do it? And are we are we going to look at at uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H and The Undertaker and we're going to say, day one, they were as good as they are now? No, they weren't. They've been... It, it took years of of day in, day out, cutting these promos. However, I want to interject with something. I've seen... Please. I've seen in recent years um, a wrestler, a performer who might be able to do this on his own without being scripted, mm-hmm. going back and forth with one of the uh, one of the writers, just saying, "Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this?" So there is cert- there is a certain amount. Um, sometimes, depending who the person is, right. if they could do this, of creativity oh, I, I where agree. it's where it's not written out for them. But in essence, give me this. Well, why don't, would it be okay if I said this? So right. we're back in the old school days. There was no worry. It was give me three minutes about the Midnight Express. Right. Okay. And and I think that you know you have to look at it as wrestling fans often have a tendency to forget to do. They don't realize what a large business this is. What a that this is a television powerhouse and while i've been very critical of 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 the wwe for putting baron corbin in the position that they've put him in because i don't think he's very good uh he sounds incredibly rehearsed and like he's he's just reading off of a this is josh's opinion by the way yeah which i again i hold in extremely high regard um but it's i think objectively speaking Baron Corbin sounds like he's reciting something verbatim. All right, so I'm going to get to my bottom line on this, Mm -hmm. okay? Scripted promos for the guys. There are ways, and maybe they have something for this at the Performance Center. We don't know. But scripted promos for the guys who can do this almost verbatim, I think there needs to be a a meeting of the minds between the scripted, the, the writer and the wrestler to marry that together right. between the wrestler's personality and that. And I think a lot of that goes on and we don't even know about it. But strictly scripted promos, I think, inhibits what the wrestler or performer could actually bring to that situation or feud. Right. So I wanted to come at it from a different standpoint. As an actor, as an experienced actor, and, and as a uh, as somebody who studied acting, I've been in I've been in classes i've been in I, improv I have classes too. I've I've done been, this. yeah of yeah. course yeah. um i have been on sets with people and and interacted with people who when they're reading the script they just it just sounds so fake and there have been times when i've seen a director fake or rehearsed it sounds fake Okay. It, sa- it doesn't sound like this is real emotion. It doesn't sound like these mm-hmm. are their real words. 
it sounds like they're just it, it sounds like what Baron Corbin sounds like when he's coming out and talking and I'm not trying but to but it shouldn't sound like that because like the Stanislavski method of acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances yes okay so but they should be able to take a script if they're a mm-hmm. decent actor right and that's and the point that. that I'm getting to I have seen people I've been in acting classes with people who had been taking the classes years before I got there and were there years after I left and never improved because some people and I am not saying I'm the the world's greatest actor. I mean, I am the uh, IAWTV Best Male Performance in a Comedy nominee for this year. But, you know, at the same time, what I'm saying is, in all seriousness, some people just don't have it. Some people cannot be taught to act. There's, There's something natural within somebody to be able to do that. Now, some people can start out pretty bad and can be taught to become excellent. And Somebody like Baron Corbin again, and I don't Wait mean to minute. be beating why, up yeah, on him. Why do you keep beating up on Baron because Corbin? Because I'll tell you, I'm not beating up on Baron. You Corbin. are. No, no I say I'm you not. are. Okay, I, I think you are. I'm 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 listening to what okay. you're saying. Well, then not let just me, this then, week. Then, wait, wait, not right. just this week, but last week you were also beating then, up on Baron Corbin. Then let me let me make it painfully clear. I'm not beating up on Baron Corbin. I'm beating up on the people who have put Baron Corbin in this position, and here's why. Baron Corbin is, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, is not a very good actor. And I don't mean that as an insult. Baron Corbin is an athlete who got into professional wrestling. He's not somebody who, to my knowledge, ever claimed to be a, a well-learned actor uh, who, who'd studied for years and, and, and had all this experience. He has been thrown into on a primetime show on the USA Network multiple segments over three hours where he has to come out there and he has to recite memorized lines that probably have been given to him as recently as maybe a couple minutes before he went out. I don't think he's that bad, Josh. Okay. Okay. I I do. I don't think he sounds... You're entitled to your opinion. We don't agree on that. Right. And that's, you know, so, okay. So do we agree? No, not on this this specific thing. This has turned into from the original... Format of this was going to be talking was going to be talking about uh, scripting the wrestlers to go out there and right, do but, I'm, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm going to serve, you know my diatribe you know, is it's become a Brian a, a Baron Corbin. Uh, no, no. It, here's here's what I'm trying to say for everything that I've just gone on and on and it. said here. Get I'll to get it. to my point. Um, how come nobody ever sends any hate mail to you about being disrespectful to me? Well, I'm not being disrespectful. Oh, no, no, you're not, but you're not doing anything differently than I've ever done. But nobody, I don't think you're being disrespectful. Well, because But if I said it to you. My people, my people, and thank you all from the bottom of my heart, my people know my history Mm -hmm. uh, that um, I'm a gentleman. Yes, uh, I'm a scholar. Yeah, no, no. I did, but I've always treated this business in a very respectful mm-hmm. way. And I guess, it, I guess it bothers me that you or anyone else would say, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this guy can't act. Or this is Look where he is and look where you are so, at the moment. Okay? Right, right. And that's not disrespectful. But. but at the same time, since you're saying, look, you know, look where he is and look where I am, I'm hosting a podcast. And he's out on the USA Network. And I get that. What I'm saying is, I'm not sure he's a guy who should even be hosting a podcast. And that's not knocking him as an in-ring competitor, as a wrestler. But he went in there to be a wrestler, not to be this management person. Taz went into the WWE yes. to be a wrestler. He but wound Taz, up as a broadcaster. But Taz had something. He had that natural ability to speak that Baron Corbin 
does not have in this I would regard. like the app to chatters to chime in on this because yeah. we're butting heads and we've we, we're wait, butting- wait, we've turned this around okay to this has become a uh, a Baron Corbin segment so you app to chatters and tell them where they can chat at us at the after chat on Twitter you yeah. send us your opinions but no I, I would like I would like to if I may I want to make my point here my point is Baron Corbin is being put in a position I have worked with people in the past I've directed people in the past where they need to be sometimes you need to go to them and say okay forget the words and this is on a this is for uh be it a sitcom or a film where you need to say don't worry so much about the words stop thinking about the words think about the intent of the scene that's that is what sometimes will get somebody to say okay I'm just going to think I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to feel this. If you have somebody focus so heavily on the scripting, which is what brings us back to the scripting, sometimes you're not going to get that out of them. Baron Corbin is a guy that over time, yes, he could get better. If he's training, then I applaud him for doing so. I'm not trying to insult Baron Corbin. What I'm saying is it doesn't it's make any sense. That way. Well, I don't know how else I can I can, okay. I can say what, I'm not what, trying to insult what, him. Scripted promos, you agree or you don't agree? I, I don't think I, I don't think that it's as simple as agreeing or not agreeing. I think that there are some people, and this is where I've been trying this whole time to get to with this. Go ahead. What I think is that there are some people who are good actors who you would be able to provide them with a script. A good actor, you could give them a script and you could have them go out and say those words verbatim and fans will sit at home and say, see, that guy didn't have to read from a script. And it's not necessarily true. It's just because that guy was a good actor. And what I've been trying to say about Baron Corbin this whole time is that the guy is not a good actor. And I don't mean that in an offensive way. I'm just saying the same way that if he walked into an acting class on day one, they would say, all right, you're not very good. Here's what you need to work on. Okay, so here is my point, is that I think scripting wrestlers... Mm -hmm should be dependent upon what the wrestler can do. If you have somebody like the Miz mm-hmm. in the ring, this listen, this is what we want to talk about. This is what you these these are the points you need to hit. Everybody talks about how great the Miz is. We don't know. The Miz might be going off the cuff cuz he's been given that He's leeway, that good though. Or yeah. the Miz might be that good of an actor. Right. That he is going word for word what is in a script, and you don't know. We don't know. And the know, point but... of what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's as simple. Everybody wants to say, oh, they scripted it. I think it's two things. I think it's number one, the, the talent of the person who is reciting the scripted lines. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's the people writing the script. Yeah, what's he I being don't given? know that it is the script that's the problem. And that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes it's not – I mean you watch a bad television show – you can look I've at that. A lot of yes, them. and you can look at that. And the question is, there there are only three things that are making it bad. It's the actor, it's the writing, or a combination, or a combination. Yeah, it could be both. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying is in this in this and nobody watches. You know, you don't think of the best television show, the best performance, best movie. You didn't look at that and say, oh God, this would have been so much better if they would have kept him off a script and let this guy just, just or had go another with it. or had another guy in there. Well no, but that's what, but but I guess what I'm wondering is if the WWE they really pride themselves on being entertainment. Yes. Right? There that is their if you ask them they'll say we're a, we're They're a male soap opera, right, we're right. A this, we're that. What I'm asking and this is why I've been 
as you say, beating up on Baron Corbin, but unfortunately I'm using him as an example because he's being put in this, in this position. Um, and I give him loads of credit for going out there and trying his best because he really is. And I wish that they could do something different with him. I don't think he's that bad. We don't, well, that's we do fine. Not, we don't so, agree on that, and that's right. fine. But, <coughs> but what, I, what I'm trying to say is, do you know how difficult, think of a show on the USA Network that is not Raw, okay, or SmackDown. Think of any of the USA original series. Suits, okay, is a USA original series. One of my son's favorite shows. I love that show. Do you know how, and I don't know that some of the after chatters know, some people do and some people don't because they haven't been in, in the business. Do you know what those actors for the smallest bit part on that show on one episode, for a day player on one episode, do you know the hoops that they had to jump through to get that part? To be on a show oh, on the oh, USA of Network. Of course, but let, let's get to your point. My, I think I've made my point. I, I don't my, think you have. Okay, my point is, if you're going to be a television show and you're not going to be old school wrestling and you want to be, you want to have this be uh, an entertainment show, then be an entertainment show and hire quality actors. Look through your roster and say, who I'm, can deliver these I'm, lines? I, I'm thoroughly confused because, like I said, I don't think Baron Corbin is We're that not, bad, and okay. I think you're on a witch hunt. Uh, I'm not. I have nothing against Baron Corbin. Well, that's the, that's what I'm, I'm getting. I, I don't think that he's being used well. I don't think that this is... I loved him in NXT. I thought he was great, but they have him going out there doing a character that just doesn't suit him. And again, this comes down to... It's scripting. Why are they scripting it? Because they think that this is a show. Right? They think that this is an, a, a television show. So why not cast somebody better for the part? That's all I'm saying. Okay. So I don't think it's scripting. I don't think scripting again, we're, is the Again, we're going back around and around. So the do we agree that Baron Corbin does what he does well? You are no. I am yes. I think that's where we're sure. at. Yeah. And as far as scripting, which is what we're... You know, I, I feel like we harped too much on Baron Corbin. Here. No, you did. You, no, you, you I was kept, trying to use him. As, him I was trying to use him as one tiny little example, and uh, and you know, you feel that I was attacking him. You, well, again, you did it. To. You did it last week as well because he is a prominent part of the show, right? And I don't think he's that bad. So I think we would you would you again, see him on any other show on the USA Network? Any other scripted? I don't watch a lot. Show? I don't watch a lot of the uh, shows. If he fits the part, yes, of course. Okay, well, then I don't think... He's he got a good look. He's got that good, tall, tall, dangerous-looking guy or wise guy type of look. So see, why I, not? I I don't see it. Uh, you just don't like Baron Corbin. I, I have think, nothing against Baron Corbin. I, I've never met the guy. Uh, no, I'm not talking about you meeting him. I'm just talking about what he looks like and what he sounds like. Okay. I'm just giving an opinion about his character. After Chatters, would, we're, we're at a deadlock here. My feeling is that Josh is attacking Baron Corbin, and I don't think it's justified. <laughs> Where do they go, Josh? They go to the after chat on Twitter. You can also go to at so says to tell me if you think I'm attacking Baron Corbin. I think I'm making a, a valid point here that if you're, it isn't about Baron Corbin. That would be like when, I, when you see a television show and you see somebody who's a bad actor on a show, I don't attack that actor. I say, why did they cast him? I'm, atta I'm attacking the casting director. Well, as you would say, we're both entitled to our own opinions. And, well, you're right in your mind and I'm right 
in my mind. All right. All right. <laughs> I yeah. guess that's yeah, that, that, was a that's, good, that was a good fight. I, yeah, I like, yeah. I like so, that. T- and, and after chatters, let us know. Do you like these little debates? We got great feedback on it, except for the people who thought that I was incredibly disrespectful and which he was uh, not, and this attacked is, me all right, all over right. social media. But it's a do we agree <laughs> segment, and that came out of your feedback, Josh. We're about at the end of uh, uh, this episode. Our I want to thank. Yeah, yeah. But no, really, I want to thank all the after chatters yes. and all the new after chatters and for you newbies out there please go back and go back all the way back to episode one and two with hulk hogan mm-hmm. go back to episode three with sting yeah, um, part one of sting. yeah go back to uh, uh the jim Cornette interview go back to the ray mysterio interview part two of sting uh, we have some great stuff you won't hear on any other podcast. Taz. But thank you for Taz, too, right? Yeah. Thank you. Well, we, we named everybody else. I didn't want to we just did. leave them out. We did. Know? But thank you all for being apt to chatters. And you yeah, can follow really me at Beaptor at, um, oh, no, actually, that's my email address, Beaptor <laughs> at OneWrestling.com. But you can follow me on Twitter at After One Wrestling. And you can follow me at So Says Chernoff. Please just like send me nice stuff every once in a while. I'd yeah, appreciate please that. do that. I'd appreciate um, that too. And it's and book anniversary month. My book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. It's still on sale. Go to theafterchat.com. Yeah. Click on the book. Yes, yes. So, Josh, Bill, you know what? There's only one thing to say. You know what? I think I do. I'll see you at the matches. Yeah, that's a wrap.